Welcome to Iron Serenity, Librarius Omnis, where we explore the depths of Hello everyone, and welcome back to Iron and Ceramite present Librarius Omnis. I'm John, as always, I'm joined by Shane. Hi guys. Uh, this is our series where we're reviewing the Black Library, and this is episode three. Uh, we've been doing the Horus Heresy, and now we are coming up to Galaxy and Flames. I looked at the Lexicanon, which I liked, yeah. which wish I'd known about before. <laughs> but then uh, I still just skim read it anyway, because I was just picking up things that the because I've wanted when I was uh, reading like Fulgrim, I was like, I'm going to have to go back to Galaxy and, or go back to the first three and and read them again eventually because to yeah. understand what's going on. So I'm glad that I have now, like even just like power read through. And, and skip through quite a lot of it. Well, there's there's so much context uh, that you kind of miss. Yeah. Um, from like fr from the other ones, little details. Uh, maybe that's where some of the criticism of the series comes in. Is you you don't know how important it's going to be until you get like another piece of the puzzle in a later book, and that's when mm. you're like, right now I've got to go back and read that again, or I want to find that part again just to just to see you know what the what the context actually meant. Um, yeah. I suppose that's that's also the joy of the series and why it is, you know, widely regarded as, um, you know, one of the best-selling series. Well, I mean, I, it's, it's, I really like it um, because you just, as you're going along and you're like, oh, that, that's, they mentioned that ages ago. Yeah. So it, it, it's clever on their part because it makes you go back and reread stuff. But it is nice to like not have it all at once and considering it is, what, 20 different... Uh, legions or 18 different legions out there doing their thing you're never going to have I mean, if, if they did it, it concurrent for everybody at the same time you could only have a chapter per book based on anyone so I'll, it's good I I like it that you have to jump back and forward and, um, gives you a bit of choice and obviously people leave bits out don't they because they just go I'm not interested in yeah. Dark Angel so I'll just read everything that's to do with uh, the Sons of Horus it's interesting though because as I said, I, I think you know that that we'll come to it when we when we get into it. But that first Archangels book I found, as I said before, was one of the hardest ones that I've, I've come up against. But yeah, actually, by the time you get to the second Archangels book, it's it pays itself off. So I think it, it is worth the effort of trying to go through all of them. Like as I said, there hasn't been one yet where I thought a couple of books on I shouldn't have read that because yeah. it does it does start paying itself off. Yeah. I can't see how it doesn't. Um, I mean, you're what four books ahead of me anyway, but so I would imagine there there was a plan in place when they started this. You'd at least so. a loo <laughs> at least a loose plan. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so far, not I've done nine books, and it all seems to be pointing in the right direction. There isn't mm. one where I've gone. Well, I mean, the first half of Dark Angels was uh, Descent of Angels. Um, was a bit jarring just how different it was yeah but obviously it's layer building isn't it you get a lot of background to how how their legion was formed and the thinking so obviously i know that from just from spoilers and stuff that going ahead half the legion seems to turn traitor and half doesn't yeah for a time so it's sort of you can see how it happened like reading that book you can just see even when they are in the forest before anything happens you work it out 
like the Dark Angels are really important in in that regard for the as you said for the law in their part of the you know their part of the the, the heresy yeah. the fact that um, uh, the lion as was you know potentially had his nose put out joint when Horace was named War Master because he could have been like yeah. they said he 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 could have been one of those that 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 should have maybe got the job and like yeah. also you know the the the, the the psychers that start coming out and that's hinted at in the in the in, in that scent of angels. Um mm. I can't remember his name now. Anyway, we're, we're going off topic. We'll we'll get to the <laughs> <Angels>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We've got a couple of books left. Yeah. <laughs> so how have you rated the first two of the trilogy so far? Uh well the first two so like I've I've really enjoy um these these opening three books to the to the to the heresy anyway. I think they're they're all really good. Um I think what I, I'm astounded at, and I, we touched on it in, in one of the uh, earlier book reviews, is that you know even though they're written by um, three different authors, it it doesn't seem like that. It seems like a really cohesive story, and mm. you know the um, I think each one of these uh, books has you know documents a different a different sort of stage. It, it is very much a trilogy, but a different stage of not only the chapter uh, like the Lunar War Wolves, the Sons of Horus, and then finally their fall. Um, but also the 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 coming together and break up of the Mournival. Um yeah. and it, it really is a it is a nice it's a great way to start the heresy because it's it it does exist as a trilogy, and you could you could read it, you know each book independently, um, but it it makes much more sense and 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 becomes much more valuable when you read it as a trilogy. Yeah. Um, you you couldn't jump in on Galaxy and Flames and say I'm just going to skip the first two because yeah. you wouldn't. Although the story's there, you wouldn't get the meaning or or sort of the emotion behind the or motivation behind any of it. So you just yeah, they definitely need to go together. I know yeah. like people like to read the heresy out of order, but or in their own order. But you could you couldn't. I don't think you could do that with this. The first I think, three. Yeah, the first three they they need to be that trilogy. Um, yeah. But it it is it is a great trilogy to open it up with open it up with, and I I just like how. Like as I said, the rise and fall of uh, the lunar wolves of Horus is is kind of, um, you know, it's mirrored by the uh, the, the coming together and then breaking apart of the Mordival. Um yeah. and it, it it's a nice rounded, you know, you, you get the macro what's happening in the universe, and then you get what's happening, you know, at the uh, Astartes level with um, uh, Loken and yeah. and and what was once you know so so perfect for him just being sort of torn apart. Yeah, it, it, by the sound of it, it, it the Mournerville, it really didn't last long, did it? From him getting promoted and uh, things going wrong. Yeah, it, did, it could didn't only last, be in a couple of years. Yeah, well, it, it didn't last long for him. Um, yeah. But I don't know how much longer it was it was lasting beforehand, because obviously you had Sejanus, who was oh, part of the yeah. Mournerville, and, and, and Loken got uh, lifted up to it. So you don't know how long it was. Like, it was, was the Mournerville something that, that Horace had? You know, once he got named Warmaster, was it was it was before? I think it was before then, but I don't know how long they had it in in the Lunar Wolves. And yeah. I was watching, uh, you know, back to sharing the hobby. Uh, there was a new uh, Lucan uh, 09 video this morning, um, and I think in it he he talked about that 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 you know the actual length of the Heresy. If you compare it to the rest of the 40k universe, which is you know thousands of years in scope, yeah. 
that the events of the heresy happened over the course of a very short period of time. It's like nine years. Um, so it isn't, you know, it's a blink of an eye compared to the rest of the setting and how quickly this this event happened and what actually, you know, it, the, the fact that it was a very small period of time, how much impact it actually had. Yeah. It was a, a, a major turning point for everybody, wasn't it? So seeing as uh, this is the shortest period in, in uh, 40K and they've managed to get, what, 60, 70 books going? I, I mean, yeah, it's in. It's, I think it's in the mid fifties now, just yeah. for the just for the core heresy. And yeah, it's going to be. You know, they're not finished yet, are they? So, God knows, <laughs> it'll finish. <laughs> We're going to be sat here forever. It's <laughs> not a bad thing. Could be a while. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a lot to cover. So, shall yeah. we jump into uh, part one? Yeah. Uh, long knives. Indeed. Very mm. apt. Very apt. Yeah. So, I think what's you know. Uh, it, what's important here is you've got again it's it's the combination between um you know horace falling and and he's now fallen so he's he is now yeah. you know a, a servant to the ruinous powers even if he doesn't know he's a servant you know he still thinks he's in control he's he under he, you know he he's justified why he needs to do this he's started to bring together uh, some of his brothers that that you know, are gonna are gonna be in on it. But while this is yeah. happening, at the same time, you've got this uh like you've got uh Kirill Sindermud as well as other people. Um so while Horace is, is falling further and further down in our estimation, there's this rising uh belief in the Emperor being a deity and yeah. um uh Keeler, Euphrates yep. Keeler being being a saint. And that picks off from the end of the last book as well. Yeah. But it's kind of it's interesting to see how the two like contrast as as Horace is falling, the other ones like rising up, and it's it's just quite an interesting um, comparison between the two. Yeah, and that, and that sort of kicks off the start of this because obviously when we left uh, the last book, uh, Keeler was in a coma after fighting off that demon um, that that they accidentally summoned, or or somebody purposely left yeah. the Book of Lorgar there for them to find. Uh, so then. Um, you have um, Titus Kassar from the um, Dias Array. Yep. Is obviously he's come into the fold with Ke- he he went to see Keela right at the end, and he's come into the fold with Sindaman. And this one starts uh, sort of shadowing how um, Horus Rising started, but this one is him leading the um, congregation for the, the new holy sort of order that they're starting. Yeah, and he says, uh, "I was there the day Horus turned his back on the Emperor," and it's just co- sort of come completely full circle back to where we started. Um, but now, rather than it being Loken telling a joke um, about a false Emperor being killed, yeah, and now we've got a much more serious events um, where now the the normal humans are saying, "Well, our War Master, who we've been following across the galaxy." was turned traitor um, yeah. against essentially the emperor who we believe is actually a god and not a man um, and starts really whatever was going before the, the swell of sort of uh, religious acceptance um, and desperation I guess mm. has really swept the lower levels of um, the vengeful spirit yeah yeah absolutely and it's as I said it's that that has um 
you know, while that that's happening and that they kind of recruit, as you said, it's uh, Titus Kassar. Um, you know, he he drags along with him his his uh, reluctant pal Jonah. Yeah. Um, and they're they're you know he's he's always trying to convince uh, Jonah that this this is the right way, and Jonah's kind of caught between two camps, like his. Yeah. Uh, career progression and uh and and staying on the right side of uh everything and and not necessarily believing everything and you just know you know it's it's foreshadowing that the two of them are gonna you know they're gonna play an important role further on in the book you just don't know what yeah. that's gonna look like yet yeah um, and in the in the meantime you've got um obviously at this point Horace has, has brought together the four i suppose uh core traitor legions um, in the world eaters who you saw at the end of the last book, so you know, yeah. Grob was, was bang on board. Um, and obviously, Fulgrim was uh, also seen, you know, with the uh, I can't remember what Horace gave him, but they're, 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 they were obviously all together. I think he must have gave him the Amaphane. Oh, that was it, the, the Anaphane, yeah, that the Anaphane at the end. So, yeah, um, we we kind of knew that um, the world eaters and the uh, the Emperor's children um, are, are kind of going this way and, and are going to, yeah. you know, help Horus. And then you've also got the Mortharians um, and the Death Guard uh, who are also joining now in, in, in crushing or the pretense of crushing a rebellion on the yeah. Eastland system. Because that's that's how it's built, isn't it? This is, this yeah, is now moving towards Horus, um, <laughs> you know, cleaning house, effectively. Yeah. It's it's this, this whole... Um, reason that they're, they're there, you know, is not only to gather the, the the legions together, the traitor legions together, but also to you know make sure all of those that they don't think will join in their rebellion mm-hmm. within the legions that they're yeah. they're kind of cleared out. Um, and so just because, yeah, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, just because you were a lunar wolf doesn't mean you're a son of Horus. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, if you if you're not sure. Uh, or if you're not on Horace's side, then uh, yeah, he's definitely not wanting to keep you around. People and people clearly know it because Lokin talks to Cinderman right at the start of this, uh, and, and he mentions that obviously uh, Vivaris, the commander of the um, the army from before, they he said well uh, he was definitely murdered by one of our shells, mm. and um, and um, Cinderman says oh I think that. Uh, um, Oh, I've forgotten his name already. Um, it was a, such a big part. The the um, remembrancer from Karski, Karkase. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Cinderman yeah. says um, Karkase was was murdered. It, of course. Um, and Loki says, "Oh, if it was a suicide." He's like, "Well, no, it doesn't." Turns out it wasn't so much. So they already know that things aren't quite right. Yeah. And they need to sort of start looking after each other. That's it, um, and uh, that's what. Um, because that, that's that's why they come under like they all come under the uh, protection of Loken, don't they? And the, and also, um, Loken charges um, the, uh, the, the unheard. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. The, the unheard to to look after them. But that 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 comes. That's later. Yeah, that yeah. comes in a bit. I think <laughs> one of one of the key bits that I think happens is when Horace questions um, his chief astropath, uh, Ing May Singh. Yeah, um, that's right at the start as well. Chapter one. Yeah. He's not happy with her. And he's he's asking her about the saint, and he's like, "What you know? What's what's this going on? Like, he's caught wind of it. What's happening here?" And mm. um, she obviously like uses her her innate abilities to to warn Cinderman, and that's where you get the re- you know he recruits Titus uh, Kassar after that. 
Um, because obviously, uh, Ing May Singh is like some something's going on here. I've got to warn Cinderman. So yeah. Cinderman's aware that he has to, you know, maybe make sure um, that Keeler is looked after and and yeah. isn't um, in trouble. And that's where where we find uh, Magard back again. Yeah. Yeah. And she would have been obviously um, Ing May Singh. Would, she would have been key to. Um, sending out all of Horace's messages. So she's probably got the best idea of what's going on. Plus yeah. she's seen the demon from before. Uh, and, I mean, clearly she's obviously a good guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she gets that out. And, uh, yeah. And as you say, warns, um, Cinderman cause he's speaking with Kassar, um, somewhere else. And yeah. then isn't it, um, a group of, uh, Astartes turn up and, um, <clears throat> they have to, have to do a runner for him. Oh no, they don't do that. They, the group of Astartes turn up, catch them having a meeting, and yep. um, Magard and Magglehurst are there. And Magglehurst says, now all remembrances are quarantined. That's it. You're going, they... to your, going to your room um, and you'll stay there because we don't want you walking around our ship anymore. That's it. They start locking down the whole uh, remembrance, side of, uh, remembrance side of things. Um, yeah. And I think that, that also... I'm sure it happens, but I, I think that, that that's mirrored on the other um, flagships of the other Primarchs as well, with the, all of the traitors, like, right, these these remembrances that have been sent from Terra, um, we we, do, we don't really need them anymore. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll lock them down. The remembrances are there to document the, the war, and now they're going to document what they're seeing, which, obviously, Horace doesn't want being documented no. right now, or not on against his terms, at the very least. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so obviously Cinderman, um, you know, after that is is then right. We've got to go and, you know, Keela's probably in danger. We've got to go and uh, and make sure she's okay. And then obviously, that's when they come across uh, Magard. Yeah. Um, and he's 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 about to kill her, isn't he? So. Yeah, I don't think that happens for a little while. No, it's um, it's it's quite a way. Um, quite a way. Oh yeah. So, but you're right. Yeah, because it. Problem is, it, it jumps all over the place, doesn't it? So this all happens like over a couple of days. Yeah. But the way it's written, you go back and forth, back and forth. Um, but you know, you're right. Yeah. So he gets the warning out. He has to. Um, I, I can't remember how, because he has a guard on his door, and he sort of talk because he's obviously talks for a living, doesn't he? Yeah. He manages to um, talk his way out of his room past the security. Yeah. Tie he, does up talk, with, he does talk the guard into it, doesn't he? Yeah, and the guard sort of says, "Oh, go on then," thinking he's going to go to the sick bay. Yeah, he's just an old guy, an old man. Uh, yeah, so that's how he and he while he was doing that, he got his message to um, Kassar, who reels um, Jonah along with him, yeah. and they meet up. Yeah, and then they get to to um, the saint to save her, and as they walk through the door, Magar's walking through on the far side. Yeah, um, and with murderous intent and it's, it's um, a genetic nut job and you're like yeah <laughs> silent and you're like oh my god yeah you know, there's no way we're going to be able to beat him on our own and he's obviously he's been training with the astartes i think he's been taking on uh um they've been doing like enhancements to him as well yeah um to uh obviously make him a, be a better warrior um and it's interesting here because it, he he pulls out his gun and shoots shoots them. Yeah. Um, 
and obviously they all close their eyes expecting to to be killed yeah and as cinderman opens his eyes he just sees the sort of the burst around um magard's gun where the rounds come out and keeler's awake stopping the bullets and um and then passes out and but um Magard's frozen in place, which gives them time yeah. so they can escape. Yeah, she comes out of the coma, doesn't she, just briefly to to obviously use these latent powers. Um, yeah. Are, you know, are they are they divine powers from the Emperor? Is it just latent psychic ability? We don't know. But, um, no. yeah, she, she she uses that power, and uh, as I said, they're then able to to take her and uh, and, and sort of hide in the, uh, the lower decks of the Vengeful Spirit. Yeah, and they start passing her, passing her from place to place, so she's not uh, easily found. Yeah. And I think they, they probably dwell uh, for quite a while underground. Yeah, I um, think they're, they're, they're pretty much like they're, you know, they're, they're like the resistance, aren't they? They're running around, they're hiding in, uh, you know, any nook and cranny they can in the lower decks because they know, you know, now they know that not only are all the remembrances like on lockdown, um, yeah. but like this, the, the word of her, her sainthood is, is spreading yeah. everywhere. And, and, you know, that's one, that's another problem that Horace can do without, you know, he doesn't yeah. need the, the human element of uh, his crew and his ship to be distracted by the idea that, um, you know, the emperor could be a deity and that there's a, there, you know, there's a saint on board and, you know, all of this sort of stuff could just cause him problems in the, 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 you know, the day to day running of this, uh, rebellion or insurrection that he's trying to run and you know as as with anything for for horace um you know and it comes later in this book as well there always seem to be these little things that keep getting in his way um, yeah and they are little things to begin with and they become quite 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 big frustrations for him as, as time goes on yeah it's almost like i think he he sort of says right near the end anyway but when he sort of takes action but there's a lot of things where if he hadn't been focused on his own ambition and focused on himself, he probably could have quashed a lot quite early on. Yeah. Um, but obviously this, the scheming sort of takes key. He obviously, he really enjoyed um, Erebus's trick on Davin and getting them there. So he's, he's doing that again. Yeah. More, more focusing on pl- setting the game out than actually getting things done at this point anyway. Yeah, Erebus is an interesting one in this book because he's like he's been he's he was pivotal in the second book like you you heard about him a little bit in the first book yeah pivotal in the second book like really really pivotal and Mm. then such a big uh kind of character you don't you still he's still in this one but you don't see as much of him like he's more um like he's He's a background player isn't he he is and he's more involved in maybe some of the architecture in Mm. you know who to send down to Ispan, um, or Ispan three to, to crush the rebellion, or who might may or may not be um, loyal, as opposed to anything else, and he he, he takes a, a back seat again. Um, you know he's you know he's done his job and he's caused yeah. all sorts of bother, but he's he's definitely not um, the focal point as he was in no. the second book. But he gets, um, I think he's he has a big part to the the beginning. So obviously the the other three legions arrive and they have yep. a, a big. Um, um, a, a big planning meeting where um, they all ass- assemble to lay out their plans for their uh, their attack, and it's where Mortarian tells them, "Well, we received a transmission from uh, Istavan yep. and shows the um, 
sort of a, a battle and a transmission from someone and can see that it's all gone wrong. And she's saying it's rebellion, it's rebellion, and sort of gets everyone's blood up because obviously they, 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 they don't like rebellion. They didn't like it on Istvan, <laughs> and now they're going to have to go and do it all again. Yeah. Uh, well, they didn't like it on Davin, and now they're going to have to do it on Istvan. And, uh, but then the, Mil- the Milnerville um, get to assemble, and as they're going in, Horus says to, to Loken and Torgadun, you're here for display, to watch and observe, and you are to say nothing. Um, yeah. Clearly saying, that I don't want you anymore, but yeah. for the time being, I'm keeping up appearances, um, because I don't want you to know what I'm planning yet. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. He uh, kind of knows that, as I said, the, the, he... He's already got an idea that the Mournable split, as it did at the end of like the last one, that that kind of split is is further yeah. furthering, and you know he's like, well, we're not going to make it seem too obvious to outsiders yet, but you know once this progresses, then uh, you know you you you're, you're probably going to be in a bit of bother. Um, mm. And I think what's interesting is that obviously the two of them, um, Togadon and Loken, swore at the end of the last book to. You know, to fight against the evil in their chapter, yeah, um, or in their legion, should I say, uh, not chapters yet, um, but fight fight against the evil in their legion, and so this, like, the, you know, they go along with it as well. They don't really, you know, push back too hard against um, Horus at this point. They're kind of just steeling themselves to know yeah. that they're probably going to have to fight. Yeah, and we, um, th- they obviously know it's better to keep their mouths closed and and be. Allowed into the uh, into the, at least into the inner circle for now, because yeah. they're not going to learn anything if they if they um, get themselves kicked out too early. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then we obviously the other so Mortarian and Angron are the two um, other Primarchs that come, but instead of Fulgrim, we get um, Edelon. Yeah, old Edelon. Yeah, <laughs> lovely man. He's re- obviously representing the Empress Children and brings uh, Sal and Lucius with him. Yeah. And then Mortarian, we get to meet briefly uh, Nathaniel Garrow for the first yes. time. Very briefly. Who, who will uh, be key in the next book that we get to. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, it's also like, um, you know, there, there's various bits here as well. And again, they, they come out in other books, but like, you know, again, the, the way that fate. All, all of these books, all of the heresy is, is, is like, it does like wave really heavily into um, you know, fate and tragedy, yeah. and yeah. like you know, you see, like there are there are things that come along, and they are twists of fate that might have otherwise changed uh, Garrow's ultimate uh, destination or fate and likewise with Sol Tarvitz and uh, Lucius yeah. um, you know, there's all these moments that happen um that you know they're, they're they're just like you know if that happened a different way it could have, the outcome could have been entirely different so there is this this tragic um kind of tale that's that's woven by these these three books and, and obviously the greater heresy that's all based on these these little moments of fate that could that could totally change things yeah De- oh yeah definitely and um by at the time they probably think they're very unlucky some of them yeah they think they're lucky and then it completely flips around on them as they go along mm. Um, as as then, an aside, I don't know yeah. if you've ever looked at any of the um, uh, the the models on Forge World for the Heresy. Yeah, um, I've seen some of them. They look really good. They're they're amazing. Like Eidolon's one is is actually really good, and um, 
Soltarvitz is is really good as well. I know that's that's the most recent one. Anyway, that's an aside. Maybe that's one yeah. for the uh, for the podcast about yeah, definitely. Definitely, I saw somebody I was talking to on Instagram showed me they were doing um, Talvitz. Yeah, and I really liked it, and I like seeing these models from Forge World because it's not what I pictured a lot of them to look like. So it helps no. you sort of have some sort of basis. Yeah, um, it, it, when I saw the the, the painted one of uh, Sal Tarvitz, it was like I same. I, I wasn't expecting him to look anything like that, and then actually mm. when I thought about it afterwards, I was like, well, yeah, actually it does make sense mm. when you hear the descriptions of the rest of the Emperor's children and. Yeah, and Fulgrim and and stuff like that, and you go, okay, that that does, that probably does make a lot more sense how they how yeah. they've depicted him. I'm sure that the model he's got long blonde hair, isn't he? He does, but the then that's, that's that's Fulgrim, isn't it? He's got yeah. the, like, this long white, uh, like he's the Phoenician, isn't he? So he's this, yeah. this this I you know idealistic vision of uh, perfection. Yeah. It's really hard for me to picture when I'm reading about, especially their size. I just think they've all got buzz cuts. <laughs> or the, the skinheads. Uh, uh, it's hard for me to picture him in that armour with any sort of long hair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> well, I, anyway. think, I, think, I think Garrow and um, Loken fit that description, though. They are more of the, uh, you know, high and tight haircut and uh, yeah. off they go. Whereas you've got a few of them, like they like the old uh, top knot. So I know um, yeah. Ezekiel Abaddon, he, he, or Abaddon, he's got his... Uh, his, his top knot and shaved head. So there, there's there's a whole plethora of different uh, hairstyles going on in the uh, the heritage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Solid tangent. <laughs> that, that was a good one. <laughs> right. So going back to Erebus, though. Yes. Because as we said, that he doesn't have a lot to do, but he does have the um, one. Um, key moment with Horus where they meet down in the depths of um, the vengeful spirit and mm. they've and they've constructed sort of a replica lodge from yes. the moon of Davin um, and it's oh, Arebus yeah, Are- Are- yeah. Are- and um, Horus meet up and, and, and Arebus says are you ready I'm going to um, you're going to meet our masters or I'll meet our, our allies from the warp now and, yeah. and we're going to strike a bargain, but you have to make a sacrifice. Um, and then the sacrifice happens to be um, Ingme Singh, yeah. the astropath. Um, and she's on the table and Horace says, you, you've betrayed me. You sent a message out. Because obviously now, by now he knows that Keela has been rescued. Yeah. Uh, and he fully blames her. And she's like, oh, well, I'm not going to tell you anything. She sort of goes out a hero. So I'm not going to tell you anything. Just kill me. Before he does, also Regulus is there, and he says, "Come out the shadows. You're part of this. I need you're you 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 want to be uh, alongside me with the Mechanicum, so you need to be part of this." Yeah. Uh, and then they sacrifice um, the Astropath by literally. I think he just punches for her chest and rips her heart out. Yeah, it's. Um, pr- I mean, it's pretty brutal with the old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, he's a Primarch, so of course he's he's definitely able to do it. It's just the uh, he doesn't really muck about as uh, as you can you can imagine. So yeah, it's quite. I think w- the, the bits that I find quite um, interesting with with it is that, um, and it's what you alluded to there. So so Erebus doesn't call them like um, their masters. Uh, like as I said, it's their their partners. Their, their partners. Yes. You know, it's it's that that side of things. Even though we know, and again, this this doesn't feed it. Horace doesn't know he's a puppet. He no. is he is a puppet, but he doesn't know it yet. Um, and well, he never knows it until you know, right, right towards the end. But um, 
it's it's interesting that he still he has this illusion of control, and that he's going to be able to strike some sort of bargain. Yeah, um, he really he sorry he really goes in with like a power player sort of mentality to this, where hmm. I don't need you, you need me. It's interesting because that that's a theme that um, presents itself all the time when we're when we're talking about the. Uh, the chaos gods throughout the heresy is that there's a lot of um, bargains and deals done, not only by by the likes of the emperor, but also by the likes of uh, the primarch. Mm. Um, and no matter how you know good or bad the intentions were, no matter what position of power they they felt they were in, um, the deal also ends up costing them much more than they ever expected. And and yeah. this this is gonna you know this is gonna play out that way for for Horace, but he he definitely goes in thinking. I can control this, and and I'm still in control. And yeah. you know, it speaks to Erebus's nature as well. Is that he knows he's not, but he lets him go along with it. Yeah. And um, I think even the spirit. And I'll mention the name of the spirit was called Sarkel. So we'll keep an eye out in case that comes up later on. I don't know if he's a a recurring demon. Um, but yeah, so he really does sort of. Go like you say, where he was. Let, let's Horus think he's got the power because Hor- they say, well, we're the ones causing the um, the transmission problems. We're the ones who are making the warp storms. Yeah. Because the emperor's uh, sticking his nose in, and we don't want him to. Yeah. And we want you to um, take your armies and, and and stop him basically. And then Horus says, well, and I think with that, it's the opening for them to make Horus think, well, they need me more than I need them. Yeah. And he says, well, I'm going to finish my task on Istvan, uh, and then if that goes all to plan, then then I will help you. And I think the bargain is that they help him uh, traverse and communicate through the warp. That's and it. Ma- and they cloud everybody else's uh, communications. That's that's sort of the bargain. He They help him um, get his plans in order, and then he will uh, join them, essentially. And uh, the other sort of key moment, I don't know if this is the first time we've seen it, uh, when they kill uh, the astropath, Erebus mm. uses their blood and paints the eight-sided chaos symbol. Yeah. So I think that's probably the first time we see this uh, in the series so far as well. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I, I don't know whether it's popped up on any of the, uh, like on, on uh, the, the Dadden's move um, or on, on the move. I don't know if it's, if it's mentioned or popped up, like, but mm. it's never clearly depicted in in the way it is here where that you know it's it's the eight sided um or like the, the eight arrowed symbol um and and it's the fact that Erebus is actually doing it himself uh, it's the first time it's it's practically been done by an Astartes in the presence of the others and yeah. you know you, at this point you don't really know we all know what it is but someone like Horace wouldn't necessarily know what what's happening he just you know sees him painting something yeah he's just uh ritual isn't it he knows the rebus and the and the uh, word bearers are a bit like that anyway so it's probably just part of the part of the deal yeah um and then after that just to to round that bit up he turns to regulus and said right you've seen what's going on you get back to mars have the fabricator general purge his order yeah uh, and get them ready to join me and obviously you'll get your your assured travel through the warp you'll get back to mars no problem off you go and you know, spoiler alert to Mechanicum. You know that that you you read about a lot of that happening in it when when you get through to Mechanicum, which you've you've obviously just finished as well. So yeah, it's nice how they link together in that regard. 
exactly. And hope and yeah, we'll tie we'll tie that together in a few books' time, won't we? Indeed, indeed. Mm. And then that sort of ends that um, whatever phase that is, rounds yep. us up and takes us to Lokin on the Stratagem deck and yes. starts smelling something he can't quite put his finger on and follows his nose and finds a new um, tunnel, I think it's described as, or a crack in the wall big enough for him to walk through. Yep. It wasn't there before and it takes him through to, to, to a, a room basically and he finds the Book of Lorgar in there. And then he has a bit of, I don't know how it's described, but he has a bit of a out-of-body moment where he hears a voice and turns around and Torgadon stood there. But it isn't Torgadon, it's like a possessed version of him and Torgadon saying, you're a betrayer, you're a betrayer. And he has a bit of a weird um, moment yeah. where he's sort of having an internal battle with um, chaos, essentially. Yeah, and it's, it's, am I right in thinking that when he's on the, the strategium, like previously, I can't remember. I think this is in that area. Previously, they've had like all the battle honors and like it was yeah. the lunar wolves and and the various like flags folded down. And he yeah. he has a moment where he looks around and he sees ones he doesn't recognize. Yeah, it's like uh, all, all all of the stuff he he recognizes is got is gone, and they've replaced it with like things from the Serpent Lodge and yeah. more decor more um, tribal decorations. Um, which obviously gets and his um, a couple of them may up. yeah may or may not be the uh, the eight the eight pointed chaos symbols but um, yeah yeah I, d I don't think he's even seen that yet even with his experience from previous mm. that probably be just unrecognisable to him no he wouldn't know it for that at this point but um, yeah you can you can bet that there's probably one or two knocking it mm. um, and then. He sort of he snaps out of that and goes and finds Abaddon, and I think this is the last time where they sort of speak face to face on their own. Yeah. And Loken's trying to say, look, it's not too late. You can open your eyes to what's going on, and help me. And then Abaddon says, well, you could open your eyes and realize that Horus is doing the right thing. The Emperor doesn't care about this. Yeah. And Abaddon pretty quickly. I think there was clearly something in him that wants that wanted to turn because he's probably the first one after Horus who's just yeah I'm up for this um, and there's I nothing that Lokins can say to him really. No, I think I think that's a that you know um, Abaddon's a really interesting one because it's the you know it's it's the he he is you know besotted with his gene father he's besotted with with Horus. Um, yeah. There's nothing that Horace could say that he wouldn't do, you know. And while Horace is, uh, you know, following the Emperor, that's fine, you know. Yeah. Um, Abaddon will, will absolutely follow, follow the Emperor, but he's never followed the Emperor. He's only followed Horace. Yeah. Um. And and that that that's where you get a lot of the schism. Um. So, you know, L Lokans he's a, he's an old school lunar wolf. Like he's he's been around a long time. He's 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 obviously he's not a Terran. Um, Luna Wolf. He is from uh, Caphonia. Right. Um, but one of the one of the one of the things that they obviously Horus and a, a lot of the the traitors start working out is that a lot of the Terran born um, in the legions are the ones that are going to be, you know, handpicked to to take take out the the Istvan um, or <laughs> Istvanian um, yeah. rebellion. And um, 
you know, I think Loken has a lot more in common with the Terranborn in this Legion than he does with maybe those um, that are closer to Horus. Um, and and you see it like in the in the other legions as well. Like they they, it's not the emperor that follow; it's their primarch. Yeah, and and that is is the 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 powerful bit that that causes them to actually turn. Yeah, J- jumping into the next book, you get a really good example of that with um, Garrow. Um, yeah, but we, we'll save that for next episode. Yeah, absolutely. But I know what you mean. Um, so yeah, so th- they have their last sort of. Um, chat and it doesn't go well but in the meantime we go to the Emperor's children who are on Istvan Extremis I yep. think either a planet or a moon towards not, it's, not, it's, not, it's like a it's, what is it? it's like an enemy station on yeah. Istvan Extremis which is I think it, it, it's as close to a moon as you can have like, it's not yeah. a full full blown planet no so they've gone there to start squashing this rebellion so the the Emperor's children of Death Guard are, are sent to attack the uh, enemy station on Istvan um, Extremis, yeah. um, and this is this is where we get into one of those twists of fate. That ah uh, uh, yeah yeah you're right. Garrow. So what they what they discover is so there, there's one of the things that's that's quite interesting that you get this this idea or this 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 you know enemy unit um, that comes up called a War Singer. And I think they may have come up in a previous book as well, uh, one of the, maybe in the second book, or maybe not. But the idea of a war singer um, being this, this, this person, you know, psyker, maybe um, corrupted by chaos or using warped powers, you, you don't really get into it too much. No. But they obviously have these, this, this kind of sonic weaponry built in, um, and they, they sing these, these songs or these, these sonic um, noises that 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 helps lead, you know helps the defenders and and also sort of has this physiological effect on 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 the attackers on on the actual humans um, yeah. and the Astartes themselves. And it's it's pretty um, clever the way they do it because they storm this building. Because um, you're right because um, Elidon and um, Tarvitz and Lucius are together and they yeah. they storm into what they find to be a temple. Um, and the Death Guard are in there fighting already. Yeah. And this war singer's at the top of, I think they describe it as a pyramid built out of That's it. rocks that didn't belong on that planet. Yeah. And they were alien, alien building blocks. And the war singer's at the top, and they, they, the mission is to get to that war singer. And, and, and as they're charging up, one of the uh, Empress Children captains is lifted into the air, and basically his arm is sort of, I think they describe it as like sort of peeled off. Yeah. The guys just brutally sort of ripped apart uh, and thrown aside, and then uh, as they're charging up, um, get, like the twist of fate, Garrow comes flying back down, um, yeah. cr- crashing down hard, and and Tarvitz goes over to help him, and he's missing a leg, and he's completely like busted up. Yeah, he's he's, of, he's in pretty bad shape. It's survivable, yeah, for a starty, but um, yeah, bad, bad enough. Yeah, that he's you know yeah. this this is gonna affect what's going to happen to him next yeah uh yeah so he's taken out so Tarvitz and Elidon are heading up up, up the mountain or up the t- uh, up the pyramid and uh the war singer um is obviously smashing people left right and center uh, I think Tarvitz gets knocked down and yeah. as he gets to the top of the finally gets to the top he sees uh Elidon down on his knees being 
berated by the war singer. And you think this is it for Eidolon. He's he's gone. He's in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) And if only he could see the future, he would have left him a few (laughs) more minutes. Yeah. He intervenes long enough for um, Elodon to get on his feet, and then he's he starts screaming at the war singer, and his jaw says on there. It just opens and keeps going and going to an unnatural point. And he's able to just crush the the war singer as well. And they kill him together. Yeah, it's like Um, this this mad sonic scream that um, Tarvitz is like, you know, in the the midst of battle, he's just like, he he almost can't believe it. He's like, we'll get get this done and then I'll process what I've seen. Yeah. Um, uh, Interesting, as I said, slight tangent here as well. It's an interesting in part of the the whole Emperor's Children and... uh, Slanesh and and what I think they've done really well here is you know back in I think it's third edition you used to get Slanesh noise marines um these little uh, miniatures that are these I don't know where they came up with the idea but it's amazing and they're, they're basically space marines with guitars I've seen them up incredible yeah. incredible yeah. Uh, incredible little minis and you just think to yourself. How on earth are they going to get that into the narrative? How are they going to make this seem serious? And then mm-hmm. actually, this this you'll you'll see it come to more fruition when we get to Fulgrim. But Eidolon's Sonic Scream is is the start of how they can actually yeah. make these noise marines um, a thing that you you actually then look back on and go, oh okay, all right, that is a yeah. real thing. And yeah, maybe I would like to to paint one of those minis in uh, you know punk rock uh, noise marine. Yeah, definitely. They've got the the the, the um, platform boots and the big mm. and the big hair, haven't they? I, yeah, I've like seen them. They look great. Yeah. Like zebra print helmets, and you're like, "What <laughs> is this?" <laughs> yeah, uh, I I love it. But and again, this is another. Reason. I'm glad that I sort of come back and read this as well because in Fulgrim it all makes complete sense. But yeah. the first time I read it, I I was like, I'm not too sure what to make of this at the time. Yeah. But obviously, it pays off so well. In Fulgrim, which we will do. We'll get well. to that one. Got a couple of couple <laughs> we'll, of books to go yet. Yeah. Um. So I think then the next bit that happens is we have a bit of a break, and then this battle's done and dusted. They've killed the war singer. They've t- taken over the temple, so they're back onto the ship of the Empress' children. Yeah. And Tar- Tarvitz seeks out uh, Eliodon. And they actually have quite a good conversation for a time because he, he's sort of questioning him and saying, yeah. what was that? And he said, I'm leading from the front. That's what a leader does. We lead from the front. That's all you saw. Yeah. And Tarvis isn't quite buying it. So he takes him to see uh, Fabius Bile in the lab. Yeah. Um, and they sort of say, look, we've been experimenting with the gene seed. We can, we're striving for perfection. That's what we do. And we found a way to do it. Yeah. And they offer him the chance to. Um, they offer this is Sal's sort of um, making his own fate here because they offer yeah. him the chance to improve himself, and step forward. Because Elidon says you're nothing more than a line officer. You'll never be a leader. Yeah. You're just a line officer. Um, but here you go. We'll take you into the fold, and you can have these. Uh, advancements made to yourself and, and Tarvis is disgusted by it completely yeah. and it, I think he... what was interesting was I was I was when I remember reading this part I was really surprised that Eidolon even gave him the chance because 
I, you know, him and Idol, you know, they don't get on, or no. you know, they're, they're, there's not that much respect for them. And this this part was like I was reading it, I was like, oh, maybe maybe Idolon's all right, like knowing that you know mm. he's still, you know, but like, oh okay, it was very much a fifty-fifty, and I was really surprised that he was like almost giving Tarvitz this opportunity. Like you, you yeah. would have thought if it had been, you know, a different Marine, if it had been say, you know, if, if you'd put Abaddon in this. It wouldn't be giving him the offer. He'd be taking him down to uh, this secret laboratory to kill him, not yeah. to, not to give him the option of uh, of, of of you know uh, enhancements. And obviously, Tarvitz, being the uh, the good loyal soldier that he is, um, mm. is is disgusted that they're they're tampering with the the Emperor's design, yeah. which I think is more of his problem. It's it's like it's not if the Emperor turned around and said to Fabius Bile, do you know what? You go nuts. You can muck yeah. around as much as you like. Tarvitz would probably be like, "Yep, yeah, fine. Open me up. Give me a sonic yeah. screen. Let's let's go for it." But because it's it's something that is is not you know not on the books as it were, mm. it's 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 almost heretical. Well, uh, he he, go, he goes to say, doesn't he? he says, well, I'm going to go and tell Fulgrim what's going on, and they say, "Well, who who do you think told us to do it?" Yeah, which he either blows his mind. I don't think he quite believes it, but. Then again, same boat as Loki, and he's like, "Well, something's clearly not there's, right." There's evil at the heart of my uh, my legion, and uh, yeah. I think the other bit I like is we get another uh, another minute introduction to to Fabius Bile, um, one of the best named characters in uh, in the 40k uh, yeah. lore, um, one of the best minis as well. If you ever get the uh, if you've ever seen it, but um. You don't get too much more from him here, but I can't wait no. to read more about him because I, I love the character and I love I just love, you know, the name and how he how you know his his lore is put together. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to read a bit more about him. He was de- never destined to be a good guy with that name, was he? Really not. Like you, know, <laughs> you just know with that one. <laughs> yeah, some people it's just you can just see it a mile off. Yeah. Um, but going back to like Eliodon giving him the chance. Do you think because obviously we know from murder it, where Tarvitz showed up, showed him up basically and said that your plan sucked. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Torgadon and and Loki sort of coming down and praising Tarvitz for leadership. So that sort of th- that was the first wick against him. Yeah. But do you think maybe he knows he knows that even though all the way through these books he's been saying you're a line officer you'll never amount to anything you'll never be one of Fulgrim's chosen you're just your file that, that that's where yeah. you're going to be. He obviously knows that Tarvitz is more than that, but there's the threat there. But do you think because of what happened on in that battle where Tarvitz actually did save his life, do you think that was his one of going well? You could be useful to us, so here's your one chance. I'll give you one, and then with him turning around and saying I'm not up for it, that that was that made it easy on his mind up then, made it easy for him. He knows where he stands. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair because I I think, you know, it, what's I I think what surprised me about it is is not only that he gave him the opportunity, but it does make sense that, you know, it does make it easy for Eidolon to just go, you know, he there's no fifty fifty. Then he knows that so you know we need to send him down to his fan, um, with the rest of the loyalists because he's he's never going to turn. Um, yeah. I think what what maybe surprised me is that. Eidolon and you know the others weren't offering it or weren't seen to be offering it to to more of them because as I said I I've always thought you know Lucius has always put himself out as you know 
very ambitious and, yeah. and kind of career driven. And it's almost like his his begrudging friendship with Soul has has kind of held him back. Yeah. Um, and you know that if, if Eidolon had come to Lucius and said, you know, do you want this? He would have just gone, yep. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. He would have. He would have taken anything, um, because he 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 jokes about it. But even uh, in uh, in the last book, his yeah. um, spars against Lokin. I think if Lokin had said, "Well, let's do this for to the death," he'd have been up for it because he knows he's so confident and he yeah. knows he's better than everybody in his own mind. Um, and that, and that is it. He he's been loyal to. It's probably just down to placement more than anything. They just yeah. happen to have come up in the same, the same squads or whatever through through their career. Um, so maybe it's a, a friendship of friendship <laughs> of familiarity. I can't even say it. You say it for me. <laughs> you, I think you know it. Familiarity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Familiarity. Anyway, so that that's where his um, loyalty sort of ends. I think with him. Um, but anyway, we wrap up part one with two small parts because um Loken um meets Torgadon on the uh on back on the vengeful spirit where yeah. he's told oh by the way we're getting ready to uh, land on Istvan me and you we've been given the honor of the spearhead yeah um and he's like great I'd be, I'd be so happy to take my company with me and he says to him well actually it, this has been um assigned squad by squad yeah it's, it's been to... it's been a really weird, you know. It's it's like right, it's uh it's like a hand picked nature of the assault force, and it's like this this you know you can already see like um Loken's feeling that it's a bit strange, and he also I think he questions why, I think I think he takes it, but he likes he doesn't he wonders why him and Torgadon who are out of favour, yeah, have been given the uh what what is normally considered an honour. To lead the spear tip that normally, if if you know it was uh, any other battle, it would have been uh, Abaddon and Aximand, um, yeah. because they're out of favour. Why are they being given the chance to to, to earn honour and uh, glory? Um, and so it raises uh, you know a little bit of um, suspicion. But they don't have. I mean, Loken particularly doesn't really have time to question it too much before he knows it. He's uh, you know, with, they're on their way. Yeah, they're they're in and out the door before they mm. before they really realise it. It's quite funny because as as they're sort of talking about it, Torgan just says, "Well, don't look a good thing and don't don't look a good thing and turn it away. Mm. We, we can go down, do a bit of fighting, and when we come back, we work it all out from there." Yeah, acting like ha- going to war is a quick break from the real life that, that yeah, that's they it. have to deal with uh, as a distraction, uh, which is quite funny because he just he, he just doesn't. He's just not serious at all, is he? At all. No. Um, which is great. And then we have uh, the Titan crew. We have a quick cut to the Titan crew um, on board the uh, Desiree. And um, Jonah catches uh, Kassar praying and says, you need to be careful. If the princess catches you, you're, yeah. you're dead. Yeah. Um, um, and that was, just, that was just a quick bit. But then we go back, sorry, to back to on to... Uh, the ventral spirit, and as you said before, this is where Loken seeks out the half herd mm-hmm. and says, "If you find Cinderman, Keeler, and um, Mercedes, can you look after him for me? Because the half herd's not been—he's he, not going to Istvan, and he hasn't been put into the um, the second wave or the uh, pacification force. He said, I've, 'I've not even got a place 
um, in the in the tasking. So yeah, I can do that for you. It's interesting if that that you know that the, this old half, as I said, half heard, forgotten character or forgotten captain, you know, actually has a really important piece or part to play, where he almost gets his um, you know, he he gets his honor back, as it were. And, yeah, you know, he doesn't even know how he lost it in the first place. But it's actually, it's interesting that he's he's almost because he's forgotten, even by the likes of Horace, that he's he's free to to take up that role. Yeah, and uh, obviously we haven't, you don't see a lot of him, really. But there's been a couple of times where him and Loken have had the conversation. So there's a little bit of respect that's built up over, especially from the last book, just because. Uh, he's given Loken some advice and I think here when they're having a chat, Loken sort of gives it back and says, yeah, respect the old ways. The old yeah. ways are dying. And that really appeals to Cruz and makes him want to help. Not that he knows it quite what that's going to uh, mean for him yet. No, 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 it's very different. But um, mm. yeah, we'll come to that. Cause I think it's in, in the Eisenstein he has um, when he's, when he's about, maybe at the end of this one, but it may be in the Eisenstein. We'll see when I, when I get to my notes at that point. But he has one of the key, um, like quotes about the, uh, you know, whether he's a sons of Horus or a lunar wolf. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a half herd that actually says it, and that that, that makes yeah. it more impactful. I know exactly what you're saying, yeah. and that's, yeah, we'll get we will get to that in this one. Okay. Um, cool. And then the la- the last part of part one is back with the Empress Children, where, um. Uh, Eliodon um, reveals that he's not leading the spear tip for this mission. He yep. won't be going down. And going back to the conversation he literally just had with Tarvitz about leader's lead, Tarvitz is thinking, well, that's suspicious. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of really cements the last part of his, I need to find out what's going on on this ship because it's not right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, as I said, it's, it's interesting because this is happening across... Um, all four uh, traitor sort of legions, and, and you know each one of them is handpicking their um, their assault force as opposed to deploying a company. Yeah, and uh, it's only Tarvitz. I mean, Loken's you know he's he's raising an eyebrow to it, but as you said, Forgadden's like just said you know don't worry about it, and off we pop. Yep. Whereas Tarvitz actually has the time to to think about what's going on and that kind of then moves us from you know the 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 moment where they're dropping into into part two of the book yeah which is obviously the coral the coral city which is 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 a lovely name um i always thought like you know it fits quite nicely with the war singer motif yeah and it probably was quite nice until they started smashing drop pods all over the place well i mean the drop pods if they knew what was coming after the drop pods, they'd just have taken the drop pods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think um, the last thing that actually happens is that um, Tarvitz goes and seeks out ancient Wylanor, the uh, Dreadnought. He's yeah. um, one of the oldest members of the Emperor's Children, but isn't it? He, he's put into the Dreadnought because he's he got wounded beyond saving, and the only way yeah. to do it was to uh, embed him into a, into a dreadnought. So I couldn't remember whether that, that, yeah, I couldn't remember whether that happened at the end of part one or at the start of part two. But it's it's yeah, Tarvid's suspicions are 
because he's suspicious, he talks his way out of being on that assault force. Um, yeah. But as you said, going to the, the ancient Rylanor, who is like, again, if any, anyone that's interested, just Google Google this guy or the, 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 the Dreadnought because his, his story as well, you know, continues far beyond um, just this book, even though it might seem that, that it's, it, you know, he's at an end. Um, but yeah, that, as I said, whole Dreadnought lore is that, you know, when a when a Sarty is broken down or wounded um, to a certain degree that they can't be saved, but they're not dead. Mm. They can get they can get interred into a uh, into, into the the dreadnought sarcophagus and and live on, bringing the uh, the emperor's wrath to their uh, to their enemies. Yeah, and there's a there's a few notable examples, but like Rylanor is one of those that, as I said, it's it, he's got some great lore about him, and then there's a few others that that are knocking around like. Um, I think it's Bjorn the Fellhanded uh, in the Space Wolves is is like he he fought in the Heresy, um and is still going in in, in today as it were in 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 the uh, oh wow you can still have him as a character but he's he's a dreadnought he was obviously fighting as a marine back then but um he's now a dreadnought character so um oh, okay yeah I I do like the uh, the idea of dreadnoughts I think they're quite cool and I'm sure uh, Tommy will tell you all about the. Uh, the dreadnoughts you can get for the blood angels. Uh, there's a few. There's a few good ones there. Yep. Yeah. We. I will. We'll. Again, note that down for one of the podcasts. Yeah. We'll get that up. Not. Not allowed up for chaos anymore. Unfortunately. <laughs> okay. You now, you now get uh, rather than getting chaos dreadnoughts, you get um, hell brutes. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Are they tangent? Are they essentially the same thing but for chaos? They are. They are. So back okay. in the day, you used to get. You used to just actually get chaos dreadnoughts, and then. GW kind of made a change to the law and sort of said, rather than uh, them, them having chaos dreadnoughts, you get hell brutes, which is okay. effectively a chaos warped version of a dreadnought. Anyway, fair enough. Yeah, but that we we digress again. A tangent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Coral City, we've got um, the World Eaters landing on the outskirts, um, and as they come out of their drop pods, instead of coming across soldiers they're just swamped by all the civilians thousands mm-hmm. of thousands of civilians uh, screaming at them and they, and uh, swamping them which makes their journey into um the palace that much more difficult yeah um lokin is with vipus and his squad um and their um drop pod mislands and it ends up crashing into the spires 200 meters up above the on the top of the palace yeah um which reading it it sounds like um the way they the loken describes it is they were they knew where they were supposed to land but the spires weren't accounted for yeah they say these spires aren't supposed to be here and they and loken uh, says to himself well someone's going to pay for this mistake but made me think well i don't think it was a mistake maybe they thought if we can take out some of these before they even land it makes um more like obviously because the plan that's unfolding makes it more obvious uh, we could there's less resistance later on yeah yeah ab- um, absolutely yeah, yeah there, there's definitely a bit of that to it i think um yeah on your point the worst legion to land in the midst of uh, a load of civilians is the world eaters because yeah. obviously you know they're, they're they're the type that just go nuts uh yeah. <laughs> bloodlust so it's it's almost like it's um as I said, it, it's like it's a careful plan that's being set for these, uh, for this assault unit or these assault units to come down and, and you know, almost um, 
and get the worst out of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we have the Empress children start uh, at the bottom by the palace entrance, and the Death Guard are out in the city or out in the in the streets, I think. Mm-hmm. So everyone's sort of separated, but the target seems to be let's get to um, the palace. The the yeah the uh, the siren hold. Probably. The siren hold is what it's called, yes. Um, and while they're landing, Tarvitz um, is sneaking around back on his ship. Yeah, so he's goes, got, gotten off of drop pod duty and is uh, like riling off going down with this plague. Yeah, he um, offered because it, it was the captain who was killed by the war singer was supposed to have a certain job on the ship and he manages to talk his way into that job. Yeah. Um, and he goes down to the uh, gun decks. And uh, I think it's an adept says, oh, yeah, everything's loaded up, ready to go. And he says, oh, what are we, why, why are we pointing um, the guns towards the planet? Our people are down there. We're not planning a bombardment. And they say, and then obviously he says, um, yeah, the warheads are loaded. Um, we'll, we'll be firing the virus bombs um, on Horace's order. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of um, kicks him right in the ass, give him the call to action now. Because uh, he knows he's, he, we're betrayed. This, I think he he thinks. But that's it. That's the moment. Because what's the the virus? That, what is it? Um, world eater. World eater. Or, it is world yeah, eater. Yeah. The virus bomb. The world eater. Yeah. And um, like all of the Astartes, you know, they know about it. Um, they know what it is. Like dread, and it's it's like one of these, you know, deplorable weapons that is only used uh, as a very you know, it can only be sanctioned by the War Master, um, mm-hmm. and previous to that, the Emperor, um, yeah. because it's like, um, you know, it's the the whole idea of exterminatus. It's, it's like such a deadly biological weapon that it's designed to like rampage through uh, biological beings and burn yeah. itself out, so that it wipes them out quickly, but it wipes everyone out, and then you're ready to start fresh. Yeah. And, and obviously, uh, yeah, he sees yeah. Oh. Yeah, it even says uh, even the emperor didn't like using it, and it, oh. I don't think they used it very many times. Uh, but yeah, so that scares him. And then on the deck of the vengeful spirit, um, Erebus comes to Horus, who has got rid of everything to do with the lunar wolves, and any any decoration they did have now is completely gone. And all the old banners now is his intention and his. his his allegiance is out in the open now. Uh, there's no hiding it. Yeah. Uh, and and comes to him and says, "The wolves um, have destroyed the towers of Prospero. Uh, unfortunately, Magnus survived the space wolves, um, which doesn't um, cheer Horus up too much at this point because it's another thing, like you said, another little thing that just hasn't gone his way." Yeah, and it's it's a weird thing that one because again, it's it's one of these bits and pieces that they put out there. And if, if you weren't aware of the further law, you'd be like, well, what, you know, wolves, like what, what, like magnets, yeah. what, what, what's that got to do with anything? But again, that's one of those little details that, you know, will pay off in subsequent books. And you learn, like, you know, what Horace has done to try and engineer that, that, yeah. that particular um, eventuality. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we won't get into mm. that right now. The only um, sort of hint we've had was obviously in the la- the last sort of line of the last book was when Horace was saying, "Well, I've got um, Lehman Russ going over to the Emperor sent him to 
to go and um, get Magnus back to Terra, but I've intercepted and told him to kill him. So that's all we've yeah. heard from now. Uh, and obviously, you're on thousand. You've just done thousand suns, so I'm assuming hopefully it will pay off there. Yeah, it does. It absolutely yep. pays off there. It, it, it's, okay. it's it's really as I said. It's when you get to it, it's it's amazing. As I said, mm. Thousand Suns is now. I wasn't ex- I wasn't really expecting for like, but you know sometimes you look at it and you go, oh, I don't know how that will be. I wasn't yeah. sure whether or not I was going to like that particular book. It's now one of my one of my favourites out of the ones I've done. It it really does oh, really? pay off a lot of stuff, and it's um. It's 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 one of those ones that comes back to being quite fast paced because obviously as we said like you know descent of angels and a few of the others between now and then you know their 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 pace changes a little bit mechanicum's a good example it's it's like yeah. it's a great book but the pace is is forced a little bit in that you know you're learning a whole new like universe as it were as you as yeah. you've mentioned before so yeah. it is it is really good and it does really pay off but we'll we'll save that for later. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, cool. So back on track. So Tarvitz steals a Thunderhawk, um, and he's going to go down to the planet. And I don't think he's really got a plan, has he? I think he doesn't really. He's know just going to go to the planet and say, "By the way, we're in trouble." Yeah, like if he saves, if he saves on the ship, he's he's dead because he shouldn't be there. Like you know, people will know he's up to something. He's yeah. not. He's not going to turn traitor, so he's not going to be able to do anything on his own. So if he stays on the ship, he's 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 in trouble. So he yeah. goes. Well, I've got to try and get down to the surface somehow and save what loyalists he can. So he's yeah. like, right, we'll get in the Thunderhawk and we'll we'll blitz it and we'll see what yeah. can happen. And obviously he's pursued by um, other gunships. Uh, I think there are other Thunderhawks from his from his legion. Yeah. Uh, who, are, and... who are chasing him. And as fate would have it, he comes across a broken down old frigate. I think I don't know if it it's a frigate, frigate or yeah. I think it is a frigate. Um, yeah. And he he gets challenged by um, somebody. He says, "Who are you?" He says, "It's Tarvitz. We're betrayed." And then Garrow comes on and says, "Are you sure?" And he says, "Look, because they they're old friends, aren't they?" I think yeah. that's established in the in the scene previously. It's established that they're old friends. And he says, "Look." The, the war master's betrayed us. He's going to bomb the people on the planet. He's going to kill them all. Yeah. We need to get word out. And then Garrow says, um, it, go, it goes silent because Tarvitz expects that he's going to be the one who's blown up. But instead, yeah. Garrow says to him, I'll blow those ships that were chasing you. They've been destroyed. Uh, I'll tell the, the war master that I destroyed you. Yeah. You get to the planet and do what you got to do, and I will go and find a pri- find another legion, uh, try and find Rogal Dawn and and warn him. Yeah. So he it, it it sets it up there for the obviously the next book in the series, um, the flight of the Eisenstein. But it's 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 another one of those moments where you see that like the cross legion uh, brotherhood because Tarvitz is is again pivotal because obviously he he knows Loken, and they've yeah. got like a, a like a sworn battle brotherhood. And it's the same with Tarvitz and um, Garrow. Yeah. So they're like they they have this, um, you know, because that's that's the point where it goes silent. Garrow is is you know he's he's in his head he's 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 not sure. He's like you know every every bit part of him is he knows he should shoot him down because that's what yeah. he should do as a good soldier. Um, 
but the other side of him, he knows that this is his, his battle brother sworn oath of, of like loyalty and, and camaraderie. And he goes, he wouldn't be doing this if, if it if it really didn't mean something. Like yeah. this is not something he would just do. So, you know, I know we'll come into it with the Eisenstein, but obviously the crew of the Eisenstein are, you know, they can't believe what's going on. They can't believe yeah. and effectively Garrow shot down to their mind loyalist Thunderbolts. Yeah. For this for this this tear away nutcase who, yeah. who who's going down to to Istan three on a on a whip. So it's mm. again it's those moments of fate. I think again it shows that Eviodon was holding targets down, calling him a file officer because you've got soldiers and other other captains of companies respect him more than they do the hierarchy of, of the Emperor's children. Everybody hears Tarvitz's name, who's friends with him, knows that he is honourable and he's a good yeah. man. So I think it makes it that much easier for him to, to believe him. That's it. And then and obviously make... yeah, the Eisenstein then uh, warps out, um, but there's there's more to that when we yeah. uh, when we get into the, the fight of. Um, yeah. And then I believe we go back <clears> to, you know, so Tarvitz is on his way to the surface. Yeah, and then on the actual surface, um, you know it's the uh, like as I said. By this point, we know it, that all of the people on there are, you know, the Marines or the Astartes that have been deemed too loyal to the Emperor by yeah. their Primarchs, um, and they're they're kind of split up. They're all over the place. Um, yeah. You've got the the Weld Eaters chopping their way through uh, fanatics. Um, <laughs> yeah. You've got the um, the Sons of Horus or the Lunar Wolves who have been um you know, crashed in crashed in the spires and working their way uh towards the siren hold, um but, yeah. but with difficulty and it's taken them a lot longer than they want to be. And I think uh, the other thing I forget I forgot about Vipers. You forget these little sub characters within the units that um Loken's part of and I I, I really liked Vipers as a character. Yeah, I did, we I think we um did him a disservice so far because we in yeah. the last uh, episode we skimmed over him quite a lot, but he's actually Loken's best friend. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, well, I think we skimmed him, but he really is Loken's right hand man. Um. I know that Torgadon's obviously come into it from joining the Mournerville, but yeah, um, yeah. Tor- has been with him the whole time. Torgadon's like his is like his peer, right? He's like it's the same level as in in the you know the hierarchical military structure whereas Vipus is more like you know it's, it's his sergeant he's the one that yeah. you know in when it when their backs are against the wall you know he's he's always had Vipus yeah um, and and yeah you, you kind of as you said you're right we probably did miss a bit of a disservice like and, and it's just nice that you know he gets to at this point it is it is a bit refreshing for Garrow because right now he doesn't know what's happening in terms of uh, Tarvitz inbound to the to the city all he knows is that you know they're fighting through it, but he's he's able to fight through with, um, you know his his Astartes and and you know Vipus as an example, yeah. you know people that he's fought with for years now, and yeah. it's almost like a sense of relief that he's just getting on with something rather than you know all this mystery and intrigue and uh, treachery that's, that's back been to basics. On. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like it, it you can see it's almost like a weight's lifted while he's getting on with it. Yeah. Um, the Death Guard are in the trench works. I think yes. that's important. They're working their way, as you'd imagine, from the Death Guard. Very uh, matter of fact, 
<laughs> grinding their way through the uh, through, through the trenches. Yeah. Um, and then you've got uh, the Emperor's children, um, who are they're attacking the Pretenter's Palace, I believe. They burst into the throne room, I think. That's it. Uh, yeah, when we join them again. Lucius is uh, front and center, ready Close to, to ready to take the glory. And he's got Rylanor hosing people down for him so he can get up and close. Um, yep. And then, yeah, I don't think we were mentioning it, but they're looking for Prowl, who was, I believe, the senator or uh, whoever was in charge. The governor? Rebel governor, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So they're looking for Prowl, who they find in uh, the throne room. And Tarvit, uh, sorry, not Tarvit, Lucius um, manages to fight him. Um, but it's interesting because it's mentioned here um that throughout the the battles on this planet that Lucius has been sort of seeing and hearing like what they call the son of death which That's has it. been helping him fight where yeah he's seeing moves before before they're happening he's just sort of one step ahead of the game which is also um we know that he's a great swordsman and he seems to just pick up a weapon and he can fight with it but here it sort of says that there's something else going on yeah. It's not quite clear, and I don't think he knows what it is, but he hears this song of death, and it just helps him effortlessly, and he goes in, and you think that this uh, Prowl is going to be a bit of a, a boss character to fight, but he pretty much kills him um, in a few moments, doesn't he? It doesn't, doesn't take him long, and you can just no. imagine, like, he's got, um, you know, his face is all scarred up, where he's been, uh, where he's been scarring himself, um, and, you know, there, there's, there's stuff going on with the Emperor's children. Um, yeah. With with Eidolon and, and Bile and and Fulgrim's got the uh, the Anaphane and um, you know again all of this 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 makes a load more sense when you get when you get through Fulgrim as well. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just you know nice little like breadcrumbs that that lead yeah. you towards it. So you go ah oh, yeah okay I see what was going on there. Because um, yeah L- Lucius he, he is an interesting character in the entire really he story. really is yeah. And he and he only gets a more interesting towards the end of this. Yes. Um, but before we get to that, we go to we quickly go back up to um, the vengeful spirit because Keela is having visions of the treachery that's about to happen. Which yeah, she's her, premonition, isn't she? She's having yeah. premonitions. Yeah. Which brings her out of her coma, and she tells Cinderman this is happening, and warns him that the the end is near, essentially. Yeah. Um. And that causes Cinderman to have one sort of final uh, gathering, uh, religious gathering, where he officially denounces the War Master yeah. and says, "We have been betrayed. We've followed him across the stars. Uh, we've followed him. We've killed countless um, civilizations in the Emperor's name. Uh, we've done this for a purpose. And now the War Master's turned on the Emperor, and he's doing it for his own gain. And we need to." Um, denounce him and we need to say the emperor is our is now our god and he will guide us through this and we need That's to it. take faith in that and it's really cements now really re- like if it hadn't before now the, em- the the emperor is god isn't he this is the start that's it there 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 you know there's no other and again it's it's i suppose it's that that human factor isn't it there's for cinderman and, and the like like they've got what they consider you know, a saintly being that performed miracles uh, yeah. next to them. You know, they don't have any other hope. Like, there's no other hope. They're they're stuck on the vengeful spirit. You know, the flagship of Horus. All of the uh, 
you know the Astartes that that would hold would hold him to account uh, are on Istvan three uh, more than likely about to be uh, bombed, um, and uh, that you know all they've got is 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 this faith this this faith yeah. that somehow um, the emperor the, the the deity the the god of of humankind is going to deliver them from this predicament they find themselves in. So it's quite interesting in the nature of faith, just yeah. in that regard. Um, but they're, they're, you know, that's it. They're all, they're all ready and they're good to go. And, and um, I think Cinderman and Mercedes are kind of leading it. And I don't think it happens yet. But um, it, it's the, the obviously Cinderman is is aware. Like you know, it's time to denounce him. Um, yeah. And a bit later on, obviously, um, they're the the rem- rem- remembrance gathered we- together. Yeah, they're they're all yeah, summoned. Th- that pretty much happens uh, at the end of this chapter that we're on. So it's not too far. They, they have this big meeting where they say, right, Horus bad, Emperor good. Yeah. And then Magalhurst summons all the remembrances to a viewing chamber. And, they, and under the pretense of, we're going to, you wanted to see war. We're going to show you war. So come along and watch. Um, and yeah, Cinderman, Keeler and Mercedes obviously go. And they're all talking on the way and saying, you know, this is a trap. And Keeler says, yeah, of course it's a trap, but we're going to go anyway. But yeah. we come back to them in a little bit. Yes. Um, because back on Istvan 3, Loken uh, and Vipers managed to tie up with Torgodon. Yeah. And they come out into a chamber and they have their own war singer to fight. Yeah. Um, which I think is obviously there for another encounter with something a bit um, uh, chaotic, demony for them. But. Um, they manage, they, it doesn't go into too much detail, but they do destroy it. They manage mm-hmm. to kill it uh, eventually. Um, and then as that happens, Tarvitz lands on... Um, well, as he's landing, he flies over the Emperor's children and, ma- and manages to give Lucius a message. Yeah. Um, and essentially says, we're betrayed. Um, the, we've, been, we've been handpicked to come down here to die. And Lucius is absolutely pissed off and he honestly he's like why like why would i be sent down here and tarvis even says to him it's because you're my friend yeah that is why um but you carry on i'm going to go and warn the others and lucius keeps killing because that's what he wants to do isn't isn't lucius tasked with getting the message out to the uh is it the sons of horace and sons of horace yeah. yeah yeah and um I think Tarvis goes to the World Eaters. Uh, and the Death Guard. Death Guard, yeah. And I think Lucius is, because he's going in, he's in the palace anyway. Yeah. So he go and find uh, and tell the Sons of Horus. Uh, oh, and, what, yeah. What's interesting is because of, you know, the nature of uh, Lucius and his, his ambition, as well as his vanity, um, is, is like he starts resenting Tarvis or, or he comes, you know, that, 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 explodes a little bit more yeah. as the uh, the book goes on but it's all, like all, all the subtle looks he's given him or the the little snide comments he's made over the last two two and a half books this really cements it where he's like yeah we were we were friends but for god's sake look look what you look, look where i am now because of you yeah. i should be fulgrim's right hand man and yeah. because i've looked after you essentially now this is where i am and it doesn't take that very well no, um, he struggles with that. <laughs> yeah, and then we go on board the Titan, 
um, where they've been supporting the Death Guard down in the trenches. They um, have, yeah. Princef, uh, Princeps receives a transmission, uh, and then he says, right, cease fire, uh, lock down all the hatches. Yeah. We're going to biohazard mode. Um, right, let's, let's lock down. Uh, he doesn't tell anyone what's going on, but he just tells them to be careful. So. Well, isn't it, isn't it at, like, at that point that... Um, oh, what's his name? Um, Kassar. Yeah, he's like he's surprised. He's like, at this point, he doesn't realize because it's it's not only that they're being betrayed. Some of the uh, like some of the people, even even Lucius will speak to this stuff like that. They believe that actually it's the the Istvans have got a chemical well, weapon. Yeah, and that's they, I think for quite a while that's how everybody sort of perceives it. Apart from the people that are directly targets is getting to. Yeah. Kassar um, doesn't know that at the minute. He just. Okay, we're we're closing down. They um, must have chemical yeah. weapons, and and that's that's what a lot of the uh, the Astartes and the, the troops actually believe. They're like, oh yeah. right, okay, that you know the Istvans have got chemical weapons. You know, yeah. they're surprised, but they're like, okay, they've got them. It it can't possibly be our own yeah. virus bomb. Because Tar- Tarvitz, he he then lands and catches up with the World Eaters and the captain who's leading them. And he warns them, says there's a virus bombing coming, but he doesn't tell them um, that they've been betrayed because obviously he just must not know him um, and know how he would take it. So he gets them into the bunker. Yeah. um, And as they're doing that, back on the Vengeful Spirit, Horace and Magglehurst um, are showing the remembrances. Remembrances. They're all watching, and this is when he says, right, launch the missiles. And it's at that point where Cinderman looks around and realizes that the halls, the walls are lined with Astartes. Yeah. Which obviously is very uh, discomforting. But then they watch, they get to watch the full horror of of the virus bombs. Because Hor- Horace is like, you know, you you wanted to see war. This is this is war, and yeah. like shows them the the full the full horrors. And like, I think if I remember correctly, like. A lot of the sons of Horus and uh, Emperor's children make it into safety or find safety, and yeah. it's, only, it's only some of the World Eaters and some of the Death Guard that actually get to I get think to safety themselves. The Death Guard must get it the worst out of everyone because they're, yeah. uh, they're out in the open, and obviously the World Eaters have been struggling to break through the hordes of civilians. Um, so they they were on the outskirts, so they get a. A, f- a full whack of it. The Death Guard are out in the trenches. Those who aren't getting into cover straight away, they're getting a full whack of it. Yeah. yeah the Emperor's Children and, and uh, Sons of Horus are all mostly inside anyway. So they do all right. But I really enjoyed the way that they, t- or the way that um, it's described how this virus sort of bursts into the air. Mm-hmm. And it's like instant, slow, well, it's not slow death, it's a quick and painful death. Yeah. And it's sort of saying that uh, it's it's just hitting people, and they're just you just melt, turn to mush, you just rot and decay. They're like turning inside out, aren't they? This, this, yeah. This, this like the biological weapon to, you know, it, yeah. it's it's gene engineered to within an inch of in, in inch of what it needs to do. Yeah. Just burn. And it through. doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it, whether it's whether it's water, tree, or or man, it's killing it. And uh, it says like the the Astartes are outside that. Um, They've got cracks in their armor from yeah. from that fighting. That that's how it's getting into these pressure sealed suits. But it, even the tiniest crack 
in like under their arm. That's how it gets in, and it's turning them to slush, and they're just falling down, turned to slush inside their in, inside their um, armor. Um, and it describes there's the war singer flying around, trying to um, ease the pain of its people. Yeah. Even that gets hit by the virus and dies in a in a, in a burst of pain and and stuff. And it, it just absolutely it's really quick as well. Um, it, it's like hit and it just spreads covers covers where it needs to cover really quickly. I don't think the um, the virus lasts very long at all. No, it, it, it as soon as it's run out of the because that's the way it's designed, isn't it? So it's it's kind of like this as I said this exterminatus protocol. So it it burns through everything from a biological point of view and then is designed to burn itself out so there's nothing left to eat yeah it, it just it, it it dissipates like it, it itself dies and all that's left in its wake is um you know the, the putrid gases from all of the organic matter that's that's been you know eaten alive by this by this virus and then that's why they, they then follow up with the um the firestorm strike yeah um, which comes shortly after, but because we've got uh, the remembrances watching on in horror, mm-hmm. and while everyone's distracted, Keela leads Mercedes and Cinderman over to the half herd. Yeah, and they say, um, Axon Yeah, they say, can 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 you help us? And he goes, Oh, Loken told me to look out for you. Yeah, and they say this is bad, and they, I think they all agree that everything that's happening is bad. And he says, and I think I know. I think I know why Loken asked me to look after you. And he manages to get them out of the room um, and take them to, uh, to towards safety. And at the same time, Horace turns to uh, the remembrances and says, "Well, you got what you wanted. Um, unfortunately, you won't be documenting documenting anything." Yeah. And gives the order, and the Astartes just mow them down. Every, all the, I think there must have been hundreds, maybe thousands of people in this room. Yeah. Not too sure. Uh, obviously, it was all of them that were there. Um, are just absolutely eradicated from one more problem off of Horace's list. That's it. Yep. Tick. Britain line yeah. again. And and another, you know, uh, also check mark on his descent into uh, full full bad guidance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we could probably wrap up um, Cruz, Mercedes, and Sinderman here because they go yeah. to. Um, the loading bay to get to jump on a ship, and lo and behold, Magard's waiting for him. <laughs> he is indeed. <laughs> <laughs> he can't get enough. Like he is a man with a bone, isn't he? He is a dog with a bone. Um, yeah. And he and Cruz actually get get into a fight now, don't they? Um, which is quite good. They get they have their, they both shoot each other and yeah. um, miss, and they get into hand to hand combat. And uh, they're fairly evenly matched, aren't they? Like, because uh, Magard's been um, like gene enhanced, yeah, yeah. and uh, like um, Acton is, um, you know, he he is an Astarte, yeah, but he he's 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 obviously he's old, like he's uh, he's slowed down a little bit, so yeah. it's it's quite an even fight. Yeah, and he hasn't been. I don't think he's been in any of the battles that we've seen so far. He's always on the no. ship. Yeah. So yeah, he's obviously. Um, needs dusting off um and they're they're basically they're fighting to the death and and um they get to a point where i think they're they're sort of in a hold and and magard's overpowering him slightly 
and they both they've both got enough wounds on them that Cinderman picks up Cruz's uh, pistol, yeah, and jams it into an open wound and just blows him away and 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 kill and kill manages to kill Magar there. Um, yeah, so he so he manages to kill Magard, and they then jump onto the, their um, escape ship, and like you say, they um, they go in, and that's when they're intercepted by the Eisenstein, and yeah, and, and guides and, them. Yeah, and and Cruz says, "Well, what do I say? Like they're going to know we're we're we're, tra- we're traitor," uh, and and she says, "Just tell the truth," and then and then that's what he says. Um, I'm Acton Cruz. <clears throat> I'm a lunar wolf. Yeah. Uh, and Garrow says, "Come aboard." Yeah. Um, I really, yeah. really like that moment. It was, um, you know, I, as I said, for 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 Acton Cruz, like it felt like, as I said, it, it it's like you know, years of of being the half herd. He's mm. he's he's got like this this redemptive story. Yeah. And he's he's you know he's like I'm not a son of Horus. Mm. I'm I'm a lunar wolf. And it kind of, it almost feels like he's he's reinvigorated by that that kind of uh, affirmation of who he is. Yeah, it brings him to life because he's, he, it says, doesn't it, like, he's obviously been there from the beginning. When uh, he was a Chthonian, um, they were just, when they were just running around as tribe. I don't know if they were tribesmen or they run around as thugs, I think he says. Yeah. And then he's brought to the level of Astartes and they've been killing machines. And he's just gone along with it and gone along with it and gone along with it. And he's seen all these changes and he's never put a foot out of line. He's just done what he's told. And that's how he's ended up in his position of he's still a captain, but he's just ignored sort of. And this brings him, I think it, like you said, reinvigorates and brings his spark back and will definitely pay off in the next book. So that's where we leave. I think that's the last we get of them now for this book. That is, yeah, that's that's the last we see of these guys. Yeah. Um. So then we have uh, Tarvitz back on Istvan Free, mm-hmm. and that's when he tells um the World Eater captain, look, this this wasn't the Istvans, this yep. was us, because like you said, this is the fire the firestorms released now, and the captain's like, well, clearly. They haven't firestormed and and po- if they, they they may have poisoned us uh, or virus bombed us, but they haven't firestormed us as well. They they've come yeah. from above, because I think when the virus bombs gone off, they were too busy hunkering down. But now they've got the advantage of looking where the bombs are coming from. Yeah. And then he says we're betrayed. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, Tarvis has to sort of break it to him. The nature of the orbital strike gives it gives it all away, and it's yeah. like um, they all realise now. You know, all of the uh, the loyalists, as as they're now effectively known, yeah, like realise that they're not only are they betrayed, not only are they supposed to be wiped out, but that that you know Horace is the the arch traitor, um, and and now it's like all of their, you know, they're all coming to the realization that their duty is you know to do whatever they can to effectively slow him down because yeah. that there's nothing else they can do. No. And they need to, because uh, I think Tarvis says, look, we've got um, someone on the way to warn other Primarchs and bring help. Yeah. We need to drag this out so Horus can be brought to justice. Um, and then the fire, the firestorm sort of burns itself out just as quick as the virus bomb. And then we get some gunships come in and land. Uh, 
and lo and behold, Angron jumps out, um, followed by his uh, his loyal or his traitor, uh, yeah, uh, world eaters now, and they um, just make towards uh, where Tarvis is hiding now, and the captain. I, re- like, I, don't, I don't know if his name's here because I keep calling him the world eater captain, but he um, it's uh, Ca- Captain Erlin. Erlin, there you go. And uh, uh, so, because yeah. that 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 part obviously we'll come into it, but the the Angron spearhead starts us off in uh, part three of the book, doesn't it? Yeah. Whereas uh, yeah, it does, the, the, yeah. the one part that I think we still or we, we has happened in in part two is the um, the. Uh, the, the conflict on the bridge of the Dies Irae. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, like you say, so that, that lands there. Um, we go to the Dies Irae, uh, where um, they they start bringing their shields back off online and opening the guns and stuff, don't they? Yeah, and bringing it all back on. <clears throat> and that's uh, where Cathar realises that the only way, or the, you know, that the, the truth about this and, and how they were able to ride out both the strike and the firestorm is that the um that the princeps uh Terne must have been pre-warned he yeah. must have known what's happening and so he understands the level of betrayal and obviously yeah. he's got his reluctant friend jonah also yeah. on on the bridge with him and he's, he's pleading with him to help um yeah to help him and help the god emperor um, yeah, because he says you, you've seen the things that I've seen. You know, you know what's going on. Yeah, and it, it's cemented because as things are going back and all the um, Astartes on the ground are coming out, the princeps gives the order to fire on the loyalist death guard. Yeah, and that's where Cassar um, does say, "No, I'm not. I'm not having that anymore." Um, and does yeah, like you say, begs his friend. Who he thinks is his friend to, to to help him, and he pulls his pistol on the princeps. Yeah. Um, and the and the princeps pulls his pistol on him, and they and they fire at each other, and they both get into cover. Um, and the princeps is able to escape through a hatch, mm-hmm. and that's when they're they the the two friends. He's saying, "Well, are you going to help me now?" And they and they're talking, and uh, and Jonas. Jonas Jonah's yeah. not having it, is he? He he, um, he doesn't like, like the, he doesn't like the talk of the emperor being god. He's also, yeah. uh, you know, he's he's thinking of his career. Yeah, he says, "I, I want to be princeps one day." Yeah, I want to be a princeps, and that's not going to happen if I go along with you. Completely disregarding what's good or or bad, he he's literally thinking of himself, and he wants to be princeps like Lucius. He wants to be. Um, in a position of command and power and just by doing what's right, isn't going to get him there. So, um, he, um, manages to, um, distract. I think, uh, um, Kassar goes to leave and he shoots him, doesn't he? He, ki- yeah. he kills him. Um, which I can believe that that was how, I, uh, I Kassar really, was killed. I really thought that, uh, Jonah was gonna, was gonna help him out. I thought it was going to yeah. be one of those bits where, you know, he was torn. He wasn't sure, but ultimately ended up on the side of uh, of good. But they, uh, you know, they really they threw me for a flip when it was like, nope, Jonah takes yeah. him out, and I was like, what? <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> I know. I generally thought he was gonna. I I was expecting some point later that the Titan would come under, 
Casals control. Yeah. And that would have been the how something. I don't know. I thought that was going to be someone's way off the planet or someone's saviour was going to be through him. Yeah. I, I, know- I think what's interesting is it kind of signposts that uh, maybe at this point we've read all of the uh, the good bits, the bits where the good guys get away and that maybe this <laughs> is the moment where it starts turning turning bad and you know yeah. it might not be the happy ending we're all hoping for. No, definitely. Uh, and then before we go into part three, the last part is back on the Ventral Spirit, and mm. Horus is pissed off because Angron was not supposed to land on the planet. No. They were going to bomb it from above um, and and move on to the next phase of their plan, Istvan 5. Yeah, Horus um, needs to move quickly. That That's, you know, his plan with only four, at this point, four confirmed legions. Yeah, he needs to move quickly before you know n- news of his betrayal gets out. Yeah, and and that's what they're all, they're all saying. We don't have time for this. And and Abaddon says, "No, you're right. Bomb Angron as well for disobeying your order." Yeah, and and let's move on. But for whatever reason, Horus sort of says, "No, we'll we'll do this. We'll we'll engage. It'll be all the sweeter for get getting down there and getting to the." Um, the, the traitors in his eyes, uh, the loyalists, um, and for whatever reason, I think his own ego says, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go down swiftly and and finish this off." Yeah, underestimating, um, um, yeah, the 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 guys that were already down there. Yeah, uh, and then that brings us into part three, the final part, uh, brothers. Well, aptly named. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and this is actually quite short it's only 90 pages compared to the rest of it um a lot happens at quite a rapid pace just to really um we've been building up for for three books now to this point um <clears throat> to get uh the, the the sort of big face-offs between people and in the final encounters um so this starts three days into battle so yeah. for what horace thought was going to be a, a quick and swift let's land and get this done it's dragged on for three days, uh, and we start with uh, the now reformed L- Lunar Wolves um, meeting with Tarvitz and his Empress children inside the battlements, um, and they've been essentially held up, fighting off wave after wave of World Eaters, and managing somehow to hold Angron back. Yeah. Uh, and I think we've uh, sort of come to them as they've just managed to sort of. Um, Law a massive uh, wave of emperors uh, of uh, world eaters in to what they thought was going to be a weakened point, and then they managed to cut them down from from above and the sides and, and trap them, and that's sort of where we join them. Um, well, it's re- reco- re- recovering from that battle, but at yeah. the same time, you have uh, Empress Children coming along, and Lucius goes out into the battle um, and sees uh, Chaplin. Charmosian um, on a riding land raider, and essentially he walks up to this land raider <laughs> and uh, and challenges challenges him to a duel on mm. top of the on top of the tank, um, and they have quite a, an epic little fight on there um, yeah. with um, um, Sal um, Lucius with his sword and what, Charmosian what with the the Crozius. Crozius is what they carry, isn't it? Yeah, it's the Crozius, yeah. And again, he's got the death music playing, and he sees um, 
Chamosian's moves as they're coming, and he's able to uh, to get the better of him. There's, um, as I said, despite everything I know, there was there was a part of me like. You know, I know, I know the way it's going, but I, I, there's part of me that's rooting for uh, Lucius and like yeah. wanting him to be to to stay on the side of good. Well, and here you you sort of think, well, he is, isn't he? Yeah. For all we know at the mi- for, for all we know at the minute, he's still he's still doing the right thing, and uh, he manages to chop this guy's arms off and then and then cut his head off. Yeah, and he takes um, his takes the skull face helmet and the chaplain's. Yeah. Skullface helmet, and he we well, later to find out why, but uh, he obviously yeah. he has that. I mean, there, there's I don't know whether this happens before, but obviously that when the the other defenders are they're um, obviously defending against the world eaters, and uh, Angron's actually there, and it's at that point that Captain Erlin actually yeah. tells Tarvitz to flee. He says like, "You've got yeah. to run because this is Angron. This is my Primarch." Yeah. I know we're in a world of bother here, and like you know, almost you know, sacrifices himself and and his troops to say to Tarvitz, "You've got to get away from this now." Yeah, go warn the rest if you can. Yeah, sorry, no that that happened. That was the last thing I think that happens in part two, mm. uh, and you just see Angron come out, and he just doesn't care. He he absolutely just rips into his own own troops, really. Yeah. Uh, um, and and. Jumping ahead, obviously we're going to get to Flight of Eisenstein, and we see uh, the Death Guard um, sort of path, and we'll get to Fulgrim, and we'll see Fulgrim. You're a bit further ahead of me. Do we get this same point of view from Angron later on? So, is there not, a... there, I, I believe it, it. It does come in the book. It does come in the book. What the, the next bit you hear about Angron is actually in the, as I said, I think it's in book eight or nine, which is a, like a collection of short stories. Uh, is it that Tales of Heresy? That's the one. Yeah, that'll Tales be book. That'll be book ten. That's my book next 10. book. That one there is. So I, I really enjoyed that book. Not because, like, it's a collection of uh, shorter stories. So, mm. again, it's you know you you've at the moment you've had like nine really intense books, um, yeah. and this breaks it up a little bit with a few shorter ones. I know we mentioned it on the uh, on the the last podcast, depending on when this comes out. Mm. Um, that one also includes like the the the, the story that uh, Tommy mentioned, the last church on earth. Last church, oh, okay. And you, there's one in there on Abaddon, and you, not on Abaddon, and uh, Angrom. Right. And you get to understand him a little bit more, but only it's only very it's teased, but you also right. get a bit of an introduction, or you learn more about Khan, um, who is obviously the uh, the 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 Angron loyal. Um, like captain or second in command of the 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 world eaters, so right, it's okay. it's 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 a really nice collection of stories. Um, definitely one to look forward to because it's quite a quick yeah. book and it's 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 nice snackable after the uh, the heavy meals of the first night. <laughs> okay, I do. I am looking forward to that. Uh, that's next on my next on my list. Um, but we jump again. I think I've said that constantly. We jump again. Um, so we do go back to Lucius, and that's he's got uh, the helmet, yep. and he's inside, and he has a bit of an exchange with Tarvitz, and, and he says to Lucius, "You're going to go and guard. I think it's the east side. Yeah, uh, you're going to go with your men, and that's where you're going to defend." And he's still he's still bitter because he thinks, "Who has put you in charge? You weren't even here. Yeah. And now you've you've rocked up, 
I'm I'm not one of Fulgrim's chosen, and now you're in charge, and he don't like that, and he yeah. goes and uses the helmet in secret to contact um, Eladon, yeah, uh, to make a um, a deal with him. Um, Let me come back into the the Legion. I want to be I want to be with you guys. Yeah, that's um, that's exactly it. And and it. <clears throat> Like, I can give you Tarvitz, he says, doesn't he? I can yeah. give you, I can give you the palace. I can give you Tarvitz. And so Eidolon's like, you know, well, clearly, you know, we've overlooked him. Um, he's he's got the right, he's got the right stuff for the Emperor's children. Let's get him back <laughs> yeah. on course. Yeah, we may we may have made a mistake here, and then that message gets back to um, Horus, and he finds out that some good news, but he also finds out that Cruz helped Cinderman. Keeler yeah. escape, uh, which he's not happy about that, but he's still focusing on what's going on. Yeah, there's and not he much sends... he can do about that at this point. No. So he sends Abaddon and Axamand to land on the planet, and because yeah. uh, uh, I think he finds out that Lokin and, and Torgadon are still alive as well, he, so he, he sends them down. Yeah, he finds out they're still alive. He, he commits uh, the Sons of Horus to, to the main battle with the other... Um, Traitors, uh, as yeah. it were, but sends Ezekiel and Axaman down specifically to confront um, the the other half of the Mournable, or what is yeah. now former Mournable brothers, Loken and Torgadon. And yeah. you're like, okay, uh, you know, this is this is where things are now going to come come together. It's all going to come come to a head here. This is uh, yeah. this is this is what's meant to happen. And like, as I said, the the, the full circle and the, the trilogy plays itself out. Yeah, and then more good news or bad news for Horus because uh, Fulgrim returns and tells him that Ferris Manus oh, yeah. has uh, refused to join them. He wasn't happy about that, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, and he sort of he, it's quite strange because he, he really he's like really angry with Fulgrim, but turns it around quite quickly and and he says, right, you're going to go to Istvan Five, yeah, and you're going to set set up. Essentially, you're going to be the spring for my trap. Yeah, um, you go. I don't want you here. You go and get that done. Yeah, because um, to begin that, with, Fulgrim's a bit angry about it, isn't he? He's like, "Why am I being sent away? What you know? What, what's yeah. this about?" But that I think actually comes up in Fulgrim, so I won't spend too much time no. on that. The only thing that is mentioned here, which doesn't make too much sense if you haven't read Fulgrim, is Horus is slight, ever so slightly taken aback by Fulgrim's appearance. Yeah, uh, because his his hair is really pulled back and and bleached um another color and he's coming wearing a lot of makeup and extravagant and even seeing like tattoos or faint tattoos on his face yeah he's he's becoming quite um yeah it's a, it's a little bit hipster um and yeah. uh, like uh what yeah as i said that that all comes that's revealed why when we get yeah. to get to full room but um Hot, yeah all, all he it does right now is it, it kind of hints at you know, in the same way that there's something, uh, you know, amiss in in the Sons of Horus, or you know that that the the Horus has been, you know, courted by the ruinous powers. Maybe he's yeah. not the only one. Maybe there's yeah. there's also something else going on here. Yeah, and I, I like that. Although we're only on book three, it, you don't know it. The first time I read through, it didn't really mean too much to me. But like you said, it's the breadcrumbs. It's the, they're sowing yeah. the seeds that. It's, this isn't just an internal uh, Sons of Horus or uh, Lunar Wolves thing that's happening. It is Legion-wide. 
Um, it's it's we just... you know the the ruinous powers, the chaos gods. They play their great game, and mm. uh, you know they're not they're not just hedging their bets on one. They're uh, they're no. playing with all of them. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, they're they're really um, more involved. We don't just don't know quite the extent. Yeah, and nobody does. Even like no. everyone thinks that they're the one that's chosen until uh, I'm assuming a lot later on. The illusion of control, right? They all think exactly. that they're they're in control of this, that they're the ones in charge, and uh, yeah. they they really aren't. Yeah. Uh, so back on Istvan Free, Loken finds out that um, his old brothers have landed, and mm-hmm. he says to Torgadon, "Right, we're going to go. We're going to finish this." And like we said, Vipus. He says, I'm coming with you then. I'm going to, I know I'm going to die. I'm going to die fighting next to my friend. And, yeah. and Loken says, sorry, this is, you, you don't understand, but this is Mournerville business. Yeah. Uh, it needs to be just us. Uh, and Lee and says, you're going to stay here with Tarvitz and, and defend. Uh, and, and your job is to kill as many traitors as you can and slow them down for the Emperor to get here uh, with, with backup. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite, like a, a poignant moment. Um, yeah. Because you really feel for Vipus. Um, and you also feel for Loken as well, because, it, you know, I think if he if he had it one way or another, he'd probably want to be a, have Vipus with him. But yeah. he also knows that, it, it, as I said, it, it's like this, uh, even though it, it's, it's a brotherhood that's been struck asunder by what's happening, um, he also knows that he's still got respect that group. Yeah. So it's got it can only be those four. Yeah. Um that's quite and yeah, it's quite poignant. So they make their way out and um march through the city to go and find their quarry. But uh on the other side of the defences, the Vadon, the Apocryphery, who was the Apocryphery that Loken trusted the Amaphane to earlier on. Yeah. Um he's he's uh in the battle and he's treating some wounded soldiers uh, and then sort of turns around um, and sees uh, Eglon standing there with his men, and yep. then he he gets a, a hammer through the head. Yeah, essentially. Eidolon's attack is like um, it's brutal, really. Yeah. It's, it's like swift and devastating, and just crushes through. Um, and they just massacre the the, the wounded loyalists. Um, yeah. And and effectively, you know, pierce that that part of the palace. Yeah, in a way that wouldn't, which shouldn't have happened, had uh, had had Lucius, had Lucius been where he should have been. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, because uh, wor- the word gets back to Tarvitz, and they say we've been breached. Um, it's from Lucius's sector. So Tarvitz says, "Well, I'm going to go find out what happened." Um, and he comes across as he's going down the tunnels. He comes across a room full of uh, dead Emperor's children. Yeah. Um, and doesn't quite realise, and then he sort of gets a bit further and finds Edrielon, um and his men, who are planning their next phase of the attack, uh, ready to go. And as he's sitting there waiting um, to sort of spring a trap, he, he I think he calls in uh, his men and says, you need to come down here and, and back me up. And he turns around, and, and Lucius is standing there, mm-hmm. c- carving scars into his face. Yeah, he finds him amongst the corpses, and uh, yeah. it's like, he obviously discovers the betrayal, and he's like, yeah. and obviously at this point, all of um, Lucius's pent-up resentment 
because it's not really anger. He's too uh, he's too too calm for anger. His yeah. resentment kind of comes out, and the two of them get get into it. Yeah, they really do. And he says he even says to him, "It's it, it's it, it's not personal. I'm am, it's ambition, and me being your friend hasn't it just it doesn't work for me anymore." Uh, and and uh, Tarvit says, after all the battles we've been through, all the years we've been together, and this is how you want it to be. Yeah. And Lucius says, don't try and pretend, don't try and use our, uh, our friendship to save you. This isn't about that. Uh, and they really do get into it. And I think uh, Lucius was probably a bit more surprised that he didn't just kill Tarvit so quickly. Yeah. Tarvit's managed to fight on for a while. Um, but luckily Tarvis did get that message out for backup in time mm. because he's able to push Lucius away and, and, and shout, shoot him. And then, uh, um, the men who'd come to back him up, start shooting at Lucius, but Lucius manages to escape. Yeah. As, uh, as, as they're fighting, like, um, yeah. uh, Tarvis remembers, um, what Loken had to do to beat him in the, the practice cages. Yeah, and it was like actually, like Lucius is, you know, he's he's a swordsman. He's he's you know this great um, fencer. He can he can you know he a sword in his hand is is like liquid to him. He can he can do it. Yeah, and he he realizes that he's got to go Loken's route and uh, just punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what he does to get him off. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then luckily for him, the backup come, but. Um, yeah, Lucius is man- manages to get out of there. He does. Um, he he escapes to live another yeah. day, which I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next with him. I I as said I've not come across it yet, but uh, you know me being me and, and googling these things, there's a lot coming up in Lucius's future. So uh, yeah. yeah, I am I am looking forward to finding out how that plays out. Me too. And then we skim across to Loken and Tor. Torgadon, um, mm. and they're fighting their way towards um, the Parliament building where they know that's it. Um, Abaddon and Axamond are, yeah. and they come across uh, Khan, Captain yes. Khan. Yeah, um, Khan. And they have a bit of an exchange, and in that exchange, Loken is sort of looking into his eyes and seeing like humanity is leaving Khan, and um, as it, as he's speaking, it's just like coming more not warped but like you say like i said the, the humanity is leaving him and he's just the hate is taking over him the anger yeah and he says um that he's going to kill him he says i am the eightfolded path which i thought was key yeah uh, to say that he's clearly uh he's he's accepted chaos hasn't he? he's accepted uh um corn yeah i mean i don't know whether he knows it yet like I don't, I, I think he knows. Like you know, he's he, you know, blood for the blood god, skulls for the skull throne. He he is like a, you know, a, an embodiment of that. And like Khan, as a character, um, is exactly that. He, you know, that that's 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 what he's about. If anything, he's the closest outside of Angron to that embodiment of a uh, a corn berserker. Um, yeah. So it's interesting, and and like. Khan, and you'll when you get to the Tales of the Heresy, you see how how good a character Khan actually is, yeah. um, and it's you realise, as I said, those breadcrumbs 
when you put it together in the context, you see how far he's fallen to to just be this 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 um, berserk or berserker without yeah. feeling knowing where he's come from. <clears throat> so yeah, that like you can see that um, like Loken and Torgad, they're like, okay, we've got we're going to have our hands full here with Khan if if, yeah. if we're not careful. But they and they actually have they have quite a battle because I think Loken mm. gets quite wounded here but then uh we have a bit of a, a speed ending here where yes. <laughs> these lights come in and holds <laughs> him out and then he's swept away on impaled on the front of a land raider that's it a, a tank out of nowhere quite, yeah well, i thought it was quite a comical uh not in well, I, I thought it was a comical ending for Khan, but now well, knowing what I know, that's not quite his end, is it? Yeah, at, th- at this point, we assume he's dead. Like that, yeah. as far as you're, you're aware. And even I, when I was reading it the first time, I was like, maybe there are two Khans. Um, there aren't. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> this at this point, you think, okay, that's 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 the end of him. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting, but um, yeah, as you said, a, a speed ending, and then yeah. Then, that then brings us on to our last chapter, chapter seventeen. The final moments. This is yeah. it. Uh, this is um, this is big stuff now. Mm. Uh, this is what really for for um, for Lokin and and Tarvitz is um, involvement in the books. This this is their arc, isn't it? This is what yeah. we've been building up to. Absolutely. I was going to say that both of them, like that, that you know, they're backed into a corner. They're yeah. on a world that's effectively finished. They're, yeah. you know, un, you know, insurmountable odds against them. All they can hope to do is is kind of take as much time out of the traitor's cause as possible, and and die with with the honor that they that they they crave. And that's that's yeah. kind of their they they you know they've almost settled with with that as their outcome. It's just yeah. it's it's not. They know it's the end. It's just what that end looks like. Yeah, um, and they march their way into the Parliament, where they find the other half of what used to be the Mournville and their brothers Axamand and Abaddon. Yeah, um, and they sort of um, square off now. So you have Loken and Abaddon square off on one side, um, and Axamand and Torgadon on the other, and yeah, lo- and it's sort of two different stories because. Loken is still saying it's not too late. Yeah. Like you you can come back from this. You you must have seen what's happened out there. The war master Horus is wrong. He's he's traitor and you you could still do the right thing and, and help me. And Abaddon is absolutely like, no. The war master's doing the right thing. The the Emperor's ditched us, he doesn't yeah. care, and we're gonna right all the wrongs uh, and you just need to embrace it, but I, don't, I think where Lokin would have taken Abaddon um, and forget forgave him, Abaddon would have, was already decided he's here to kill Lokin. Oh, and you you kind of know it as well because if I remember correctly, uh, Abaddon's in his um, Jester and Terminator armor, so he's like yeah. he's fully kitted up. He's he's yeah. not mucking around, and yeah. um, you know he's up against Lokin, who would have just been in his. Uh, like, like Mark II power armor at the time, or whatever it was, like the old, the old pre-heresy power armor, and he's already been like fighting for, like, well, days. We, yeah, like they coming on yeah. to weeks at this point. Like he's yeah. battle damaged. He's just had a kick in from Khan. 
and, it, <laughs> yep. and, and now he's got to come up against the first captain of the uh, Sons of Horus, fresh as a daisy, um, loaded up in his just air in Terminator armor. It, you know, it, it's not looking good. No. But then on the flip side, we have um, Little Horus and Torgadon squaring mm. up, and they sort of their roles are almost reversed because because um, Axman saying, look, Horus said we had to come kill Lokin. He didn't say anything about you. Yeah. Just don't do anything, and and you can rejoin us, and you can come back. And Torgadon, he's decided, no, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Because you've destroyed you've destroyed what we had. Uh, and you and you've made the wrong choice. And he says, I, I made my choice at the lodge, and I'll stick to it. Um, and then they, and they square up. And Axman says, Well, it's, it's like the sparring cages, just like the old days. And uh, and Torgan says, No, it's nothing like that. And yeah. and they and then they go at it. Um, while Abaddon is definitely getting the better of Loki. Um, yeah. I mean, Ax- Axman <coughs> definitely he doesn't he doesn't want to do it. Like, he knows he might have to do it. Yeah. But he, he doesn't want to do it. He wants to, you know, if, if anything, you know, he's he's doing what he's told. He's kind of following Abaddon a little bit. And if yeah. anything, he, he just he just wants the old days back. He's like, he doesn't want to have to no. do this because he still likes uh, Torgaddon. And um, yeah. it's just, you know, it, as I said, it, it's one of those, I spoke about it earlier. It, it's another one of those moments where you look at it and you just realise how tragic this tale is. These moments yeah. are intertwined, and you, you feel you feel for Aximand because he's 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 not. You know, I don't. I think this kind of all spiralled out of control for him, mm. um, and he's in a position that he's not entirely not entirely sure he wants to be in, but he can't no. go back. And whereas, as out, you said, well, yeah, I was going to say out of the four, not that he's not a good character. But he's got the least character because you've yeah. got Abaddon, who's bold and brash and angry, Torgadon, who's got the sense of humour but can get things done, Loken, who's sensible and thinks things out and obviously has seen what's happening, and Axelman's just been the other one who's yeah. always there. He's he's Abaddon's right hand man. He's like he's uh, like Abaddon's little brother. He's like a bit of a tag along, like you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's you know, even though he's in starting, he's probably the same height. He's this massive warrior. He feels yeah. like he's written as like the, uh, you know, he's the little brother that tags along. Yeah, he he's definitely there to make up the numbers. They need they uh, needed a four, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, and then we we really flip over very briefly to. Um, Tarvitz and Vipers fighting against the Empress' children, mm-hmm. um, and Tarvitz is going to find uh, Elidon, and then he sees up that the uh, Desiree is heading towards them in the distance. Yeah, these uh, um, big stomping footprints. Yeah, and as that's happening, the um, Parliament building's getting uh, st- basically an earthquake happening around it as it's getting closer, and the building collapses and um, partly collapses, and Abaddon's temporarily bit. Be- buried yeah uh, and as that happens Lokin um looks and sees up on um a high-rise platform that Torgadon's down on his knees and it says that his limbs are a mess and mm-hmm. he's just coming to coming to the end and Axman standing above him um and Lokin hears very clearly um Axman say I'm sorry and then yeah. beheads Torgadon which again come out of nowhere for me um, I I wasn't expecting that at all. Uh, yeah. Considering how we've just spoke about the two of them as well, um, I think, yeah. 
I said, there's always that moment, like with all of these characters, especially towards the end of it, you know, you're hoping some way there's a, there's a good ending for like for Gaddon and you know maybe 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 accident you know maybe maybe something happened but you know you also know the weight of uh, all of the other books is coming that yeah this is, this it, is not going to happen and you're like as you said when it happens you're like yeah he's he was one of the characters that you wanted to see more of yeah um I don't know if you uh, if you watch South Park at all <laughs> I and, do uh, yeah. And th- have you seen the Game of Thrones episode where Randy's working in the um, shopping centre and it's sort of taking on the Game of Thrones thing where they're acting like they're the Black Watch but they're just security guards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then the, 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 it's when like, the, 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 um, the <laughs> security leader gets killed and he goes, you can't oh, die, everybody liked you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's yeah, just what, be... I, that's what I thought when Torgadon Tor- got killed. I was like, that's not fair. Yeah, it, it, it didn't. As I said, it was it was when it happened, and you like. I remember, like as I said, listening, reading, you know, listening to it, thinking. Like I, I, I didn't want it to happen. I kind of knew it was going to happen. I was still surprised when it did happen, and then it kind of hits that level of finality that you realise that you know Horace is playing for keeps. Um, you know, there's a big difference between Axamund and and Abaddon, but. Axamund has, you know, he's he's gone down that path too far now. Um, and put a pin in it though, because there's an interesting, like, part with Abaddon and Axamund right towards the but, end. Yeah. It's, um, so after that, Loken screams out, and I think that's it now for him. He he knows this is it now. I've, I've yeah. got to get on with it, and he goes for his final fight with Abaddon, and uh, in true old uh, true old-fashioned bad guy style, Abaddon manages to get Loken down on his back yeah. after a fight. He's on his back. Him and Axeman are standing there, and they're gloating, and they're getting ready really slowly, and then he takes the sword off of Axeman, yeah. which killed Torgodon. He said, this killed Torgodon. It might as well kill you. And as he goes for the killing blow, the Titan steps on the building, Sorry, yeah, and they're, right. they're <laughs> and they're all absolutely buried under the rubble and bad guy talking too much um, um, essentially putting into what was going to be Loken's final moments there yeah um, and then I think we get, we I think it's uh, a bit later now that Abaddon dug himself out of the rubble and he drags Axamund out who's That's completely uh, wounded and then going back to what you were saying um they both think that Loken's dead. Yeah, so they they think Loken's dead, and and I think there's there's a moment where, um, I think it's I can't remember if it's where whether they're back on the bench or spirit. There, there's a moment where Abaddon sort of says like it's, I think it's internal monologue where he's kind of noting to keep an eye on Axamund because yeah. he's he's like you know he should have why is he saying sorry he should have you know like just just done it like there, there's yeah. and he notes the sorrow uh, for for like the loss of Torgaddon. And like he's like, I've got to keep an eye on him. Yeah, which you think that maybe it's strange because obviously there's definitely like the hatred between Abaddon and Loken was there, and probably the, just based on the simple fact that Torgadon sided with Loken was enough for Abaddon to cut him off. You didn't really see too much one on one with those two. There was no their their head to head wasn't there. It was just you're you're either with me or against me, and the fact that. 
I mean, I don't know how long the, the three of them were on the Mournerville before Logan came in. Yeah. Because um, obviously their brotherhood goes back further. And for him just to, you could understand him not caring about Logan because it's been less time. But to feel exactly the same for someone who's been brothers with for longer. Yeah. And, and then you could understand that Axman, yeah, well, he, he, they didn't, he didn't want to kill Torgadon. Um, so, of course, he feels bad because he's still got that humanity left because I don't think he's accepted uh, chaos yet. No, as no, much no, as he, everybody else. Yeah, he's he's well, again. It's it's that 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 thing. It's there's there's some of them like uh, you know Abaddon is you know whether or not he knows it, he's he's open to it. Like he's following Horus, but like you know the ruinous powers, the gods of chaos, they they can worm their way into him quite easily. Whereas Vaxman, he's you know he's following orders, but he's kind of found himself in a situation that he never planned to be in. So he's he's mm. not even thinking about you know ruinous powers or or whether Horus is right or not he's he's following orders and has you know just found his way into this situation but yeah and then uh the last bit now really is um everyone's evacuated all, all of the traitors have evacuated the, the battle's done the loyalists um, are all, all but defeated so they yeah. they all leave, they return to the fleet and um Horus is sorting out like the final plans probably setting up the rest of the series mm-hmm. um and he says right what we're gonna do is we're gonna just do what we should have done in the first place we, we stayed here too long we're gonna bombard this planet and we're gonna go and move on to istavan 5 um and then sort of the, the final sort of plans he says fulgrim's already built a fortress on istavan 5 he's waiting for us yeah ready to spring the tra- trap we've got seven legions on their way to fight us so we need to be prepared um and he said that he we don't get any explanation but he says that they're coming into a trap that they, they will lose it we won't lose and once yeah. this is done we'll turn and face and head for terror yeah um, Sang- sanguinius is too far away and the world eaters have told me that the ultramarines are going to muster a, um Kalfik, I think it is. It is. It's just Kalf. 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 Uh, yep. Kalf. Uh, and by the time they realise what's happened, it'll be too late. And that yeah. is Horus. Um, the last we get from Horus, he says, right, fire. Um, and Lokin isn't dead. He's laying in the rubble, uh, pulls himself out, and he looks up and he sees, um, I think he says, the last thing he sees is fire explode into the sky and that's yeah. and then he feels nothing else after that sees, sees the bombs falling towards him and uh, yeah. yeah and that's it and then we have Tarvitz and Vipus in the battlements with the few survivors and they watch the explosions from there and, and, and that's it and that's how it ends so we don't know I mean I don't know if you know because I, I generally don't know if any of the people on Istvan 3 survived this yeah, so I mean, okay, just so now I mean, this is spoilers already. Like, if you, yeah. if you didn't know what's happened, but spoil, spoiler alert anyway. Uh, so Loken does pop up in a few later books, but they're okay. in like short stories and they are looking back to this point, right? And then there is also a theory that at some point, oh no, is it a theory or does it happen? I can't remember, I remember googling it, but someone comes back to his fan free and they find Loken, but he's mad. 
Like right. he's just he's just totally lost the plot. And I I can't remember if he ends up in the Grey Knights or not. I don't think it's the Grey Knights because he's got no late psychic ability. But he I think it's Garrow comes back for him. Right. Um. And then, but I'd have to, I'd have to re research into it. So you do hear from Loken again. Um, okay. Ancient Rylanor. Um, he's yeah, still there, isn't he? You hear from him again. Because um, he he does he does something really like he starts um, transmitting a, a beacon, um, and he some some of the traitor emperor's children. This is far in the future. Come back and find him on on his stand free, and he explains everything that's happened. And actually, these these traitor emperor's children end up killing themselves rather than continuing to be traitors oh, wow. because of this. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing <clears throat> it's amazing that little bit of narrative but is that something we're going to get to in our heresy series i think it might be but i you might might not be able to quote me on that it might be an additional it might be outside of the heresy because i think it's you know relatively close to the timeline we're at now but well if even if it's not something we do in this series yeah we'll we'll get to we'll get to eventually because i want to see that it is somewhere but yeah that so that you know as you said there's some characters in here that you don't you don't want to let go of because they're so you know they're so good, but um, you know after this, obviously we go with one of the other. So for the it's what's interesting is for the first three books we've really been with Loken, and yeah. then from next book where we get to the Eisenstein, you know we've been introduced to Garrow at this point. Garrow is someone that's pivotal um, yeah. in the rest of the Imperium, the rest of the narrative, the rest of the 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 her- heresy, and so we start following him. Um, in the Eisenstein, so that that yeah. will obviously be the next review, which is, you know, as I said, it's it's a good one. It's less bouncing around because it's a bit more linear. We yeah. go from, uh, you know, from from the Isfan system to Terra, effectively, yeah. or or at least on on route. Um, yeah. You get introduced to a few interesting characters like uh, our good friend Typhus. Um, yes, another so, good guy's name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, indeed, um, but uh, it's um, yeah. It, it it as I said, it sets us up nicely. It's a great way, like to end end this trilogy. If you yeah. if you were only ever going to read three books of the Heresy, you know, just reading these three is 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 a good, you know, it's it's a good introduction to the to the universe. It's a good introduction to these key characters that go on to do bigger and better things. And it's just interesting to see how, as I said, how tragic and and how much fate plays a part in it and that just keeps compounding itself the more books you get from it yeah definitely so final thought then to rate the because these three books although they're three books it's one story really yeah absolutely Um, so to rate it where where do you rate this as a story not necessarily in the series but i would i would give it i would give it a 10 out of 10 i think because Uh, yeah it's great yeah it, it is it is you know it's it's a it's a modern classic, you know. It's it, you know. Mm. It, it, there's a reason why these these books, and particularly the early books, you know, made their way onto like the uh, the New York Times bestseller list yeah. um, and best reviewed list because they are they are really really well put together. They're really detailed. They're they're built off an incredible amount of lore um, that that Games Workshop have, have put together, and they're written you know they're written by really talented writers. So yeah. it is not. <clears throat> You know, it's it's at this point, at least. You, you know, it's not just Bolter porn. It's not, um, no. you know, it's not 
throwaway trashy stuff it's 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 good solid storytelling and yeah. you know it it is worth the time even if you weren't you know into into 40k or warhammer or anything like that it's still a good book and it's still yeah. a good story and the the ups and downs of the the key characters still you know they they do they have their poignant moments it, it is it is you know a tragedy tragedy in the it, it, you know it's a tragic tale of, of fate and uh, you know what what happens when things are put together so it's absolutely a great story yeah. i you know totally agree yeah and bit like being new to warhammer i i wasn't expecting this at all like, i mean like you like i've mentioned many times already i read the eyes and horn books which i thought were fantastic yeah. um then i read um the first space wolves trilogy which i really liked most of it um i really liked it and then 15 hours uh, as well and then yeah. i then i stepped into um the heresy from there and i mean everything so far i've really really enjoyed and then i wasn't i wasn't sure what i was expecting as i said in the first video i was expecting it to be sort of following horus yeah on on one long story like that but to get what we've got out of it is absolutely fantastic um and just the depth of the universe that's explored in quite quite short time really i, I mean yeah i was i didn't know what to expect and i'm really glad that i picked these books up because they've been yeah. absolutely fantastic um I'm really looking forward to doing um, Flight of the Eisenstein next. Um, yeah. And then, and then beyond. That's it. I, I have got to pick up the pace of my reading because before we know it, we're going to catch up with where we're at. Well, <laughs> and then we're going to have to start <laughs> reading for these, but that's fine. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll wrap it up for this episode because um, yep. I think we've gone on for quite some time. Um, so... If you haven't already, give us a like and a subscribe and a share on YouTube and then check out the other videos we've got, um, hobby tips and the podcast and other stuff that we're working on. And hopefully it could be out by now. It depends when I decide to publish this video because <laughs> I'm trying to keep up at the minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. So from me, that's goodbye. From me, it's, uh, it's goodbye. You know, as, as, as John said, comment away. Please uh, tell us how you thought about it as well. Or more than happy to have the debate with uh, with people that are interested in this as well. So, yeah, please do uh, let us know what you think as well. Awesome. See you later. Bye, guys.